guys welcome back to our october series uh my favorite month of the year like i always says a billion times better than christmas i love halloween of october we've been doing weekly episodes which thank you guys so much for the support on them like talking about korean horror for like two hours i can't believe you guys listened to that uh check out our horror comedies episode that was a really fun episode to do and underrated horror gems um which you know some people wrote in the comments you know they're not as obscure as you want it to be but we try to be broad and like sort of serviceable to people that maybe not are huge horror fans so maybe we'll do another list you know maybe we'll dive deeper into those but um today um i'm joined by good buddy of mine uh he he's the second biggest kelly reichardt fan i know at right after me um cole can you can you tell me about her new movie please i've been i've been dying i've been dying to ask uh yeah hi um yeah so i before we get into the horror talk jake wanted me to talk about this i saw yes. the new kelly reichardt film at the new york film festival this year uh mm-hmm. it's called showing up yes um it is, I feel comfortable, her, I feel like Kelly Reichardt's movies are secretly funny. It's something that like people yeah. don't really give them credit for because they can be so tense at the same time. I think this is right. her first full on comedy. Uh, it's also, I think pretty pointedly, and I, I had this thought, it's the first movie she's made since Old Joy, where like the stakes are never life and death. Where mm. Even in something like certain women, there's like the threat of the suicide bomber, which is yes. such a weird yes. shift. But this is her yeah. like, and I, I do not mind the the tension of, of most of her movies. The fact that she secretly makes, you know, thrillers in a way as much as she secretly makes comedies. Um, but this movie is not that. If I were to compare it to anything, it really feels like locked into that the gentleness of the like 20 minutes of first cow where they don't really have anything going on. Yes. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a recollaboration with Michelle Williams. Uh, we love to see that. Yeah. Um, it is set at a now defunct, uh, Oregon arts college that kind of closed down right before the pandemic, mm. but it's set there vaguely, I think probably pre pandemic, um, Michelle Williams plays, a sculptor uh, who works at this college. I don't, it doesn't seem like she teaches. It seems like she does admin stuff and she's pretty low down on the totem pole. And it's her over the course of the week leading up to a, her first gallery show as she Mm -hmm. just is putting up with a thousand little indignities, specifically the fact that her neighbor slash landlord slash best friend slash worst enemy uh, who's played by Hong Chow, who's hilarious in this movie, mm-hmm. also has a show a few days before her and is clearly the one that everyone actually cares about. Right. Uh, so Williams is just kind of keeping her head down and just quietly trying to make it through the week. And it's just this very sweet and funny and like, not sad, but that that kind of like world weariness that I think a lot of her movies mm-hmm. beat about, but about art and the sort of demands that you have, the indignities that you have to survive to put through art. And it's, I mean, I think it might be her weakest movie, but it's Kelly Reichardt. Everything she's made is incredible. Um, and right. they all grow on you, right? Would you agree? 
Yeah, I mean, I, night moves specifically, I know you mentioned that one. Because um, that's a detour from like her gentleness and more of her sort of, yeah, more character driven movies and very oddly paced compared to other movies. And that's one that's like, I mean, she, I mentioned on the pod before, she's my favorite current filmmaker of this generation. So probably, right? I mean, that's just me, but yeah, I think. But, but I, I'm, I'm saying, like, I mean, she's objectively the best. Is that I what you're of, saying? Of, of people who are still alive, who I would put up there with her, Spike Lee's best days are definitely behind him. Mm-hmm. Linklater's best days are probably behind him. Iraqi's retired, basically. Yeah, so, yeah. like, yeah, I think she's pretty clearly, and she's maybe, she's on a hot streak that hasn't been disrupted in 15 years. Like I say, this is her weakest movie, but it's incredible. It's, and, and it's just so nice to see her live in this, this quiet, even quiet for her mode of like light character comedy. And mm-hmm. it also like, I had some conversations with people where they were like, I find these people very irritating. It's a question of what are you supposed to pace? But there's this beautiful rhythm to the movie where it keeps taking these like, really captivating detours to just sit in on watching the other students and faculty at this like very hippie dippy arts college just present or perform or create their own art and it's there's like one or two shots that implies that these are maybe pov shots of williams's character like skulking the halls and watching everyone but it really just feels like disconnected like reichardt is drifting away from the main action just to watch these people who are, I didn't really stay for her Q and a, this is the only thing I stayed for. Um, But she did say that because the school was closed down that she had to like fill it with extras and then kind Mm. of basically she had to basically recreate the teaching environment at the school (laughs) so she could get this footage of them creating. So it's not like she's actually like, you're actually seeing documentary footage of you know, sculpting and painting and um, installation courses, you're seeing like a weird simulacra recreation of it for the camera that oh, still wow. exists, which is such a weird yeah. disconnect. I don't know. I think you're really going to like it, Jake. I, I think it's coming out next. Pro- I'm guessing probably March next year. That's what I was going to say. Please give me a release date calendar because I, I can't. A24 has it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're they just produce her movies these days, which is so like a first good. cow sort of rollout, like sort of I would guess in the they fall, spring. They yeah. definitely said they're pushing it to 2023. I okay. would just guess probably February or March. I don't understand why. Like, no, no disrespect to this movie. This is not an insult. I don't necessarily think this is going to be an either Oscar or financial bonanza for A24. No. She doesn't, doesn't need it, though. She doesn't exactly. need, she doesn't need it. it. If anything was going to do that for her, it was going to be First Cow and A24. What a disgrace. Best picture of 2020. Best, we all know well, it. I, yeah, one of the best pictures of 2020. Okay, here's the thing about that. You're not going to like this, but I'm right. Every year, A24 has been successful at the Oscars as a distributor. They pick one movie and they go in all in on one movie. Yeah, it was Minari. It was Minari. That's what I'm saying. Every year they try to split and like try to run different things. They whiff basically across the board. They picked Minari. I also adore Minari. It's It's probably the better shot. Like that was a that was a good calculation. And I can't be that mad 
at just the fact that A24 just can't because you've got a guaranteed New Year's Young supporting actress win versus a <laughs> yeah. first cow still could have missed is what I'm saying. And I Absolutely. think it's, I, 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 I adore Minari. I adore first cow. I think Minari need needs the Oscars for its legacy more than first cow does because first cow was, sure. I think first cow along with whatever assessment of the Steve McQueen movies you want to give it, I think was the consensus critical pick for that year. I think we yeah. both probably agree. It's the best movie. Look, yeah, in, in my mind, and it's yeah. it's hard to live in a world where Kelly doesn't have a Best Director nomination. For... She's not slowing down, though, is she's the not. thing. That's the thing. She's on the up and up, and First Cow was like, look, people watch A24 for the label, and they're going to exactly. throw on First I had so many people tell me, you got to see this movie, First Cow. I, you know, I'm like, guys, I, I'm obsessed with Kelly Whitecard. I'm, I'm on the ball, but I'm glad she's getting that recognition, sort of, at least from a distribution aspect, so... My parents, yeah. I'm, I'm from, uh, I'm, I was born in Seattle and, you know, obviously Kelly Reichard is an Oregon filmmaker, but a lot of her stuff, especially uh, first cow is set very North Oregon along the border to Washington. Um, and I remember my parents watched first cow and like 10 minutes into it, probably like right after all the Alia Shawkat stuff, my yeah. mom texted me and was like, this is the most boring movie I've ever seen in my life. And then <laughs> when I spoke to them after they finished it, they were just mm. in awe of how much that movie on like a tactile level reminded them of the Pacific Northwest. And they were yeah. like just obsessed with this sense, even though it's a movie set 200 years ago of being back in those forests and living there and they and that's the thing like as much as they were like this movie is boring at the start they they got sucked in by the patience of it and the rhythms of it and i think that's the magic that's of great. Her, is that mm -hmm. it is it is patience it is about waiting and i think this is a this is a very quiet movie because it's it's about this like slow shamble to the specific deadline mm -hmm. um and need i say michelle williams is incredible and it hung chow's hilarious in it uh, she's Judd wonderful. Hirsch quietly doing his like wacky parent thing, wacky parent to Michelle Williams thing, because he also plays her dad in the Fablemans <laughs> and he plays her dad in this. That's what I was going to say. Like he could snag an Oscar and then his victory lap could be this Kelly Reichardt movie exactly. coming out, in I, March, which would be wonderful for him. I feel so I, there is nothing I feel less confident about than best supporting actor this year. Did you see the Fablemans yet? I've not seen the Fablemans. Yeah. No, it well, it no. comes out because it, it played Tiff and that's it. Right. right um, yeah. So that's going to shuffle on down. I don't know. We're, I'm probably not going to get it here in Colorado until uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So mm -hmm. that's probably when mm -hmm. I'm going to see it. Um, but I have God, I feel pretty confident about I have my predictions for the Oscars this year. I have no idea who's winning supporting actor. Now I want to dig deep into that. Um can we can I just can I just ask about um yeah. director like who's your Spielberg is winning director you yeah a that's... million percent I want to go I want to go through nominations though because Spielberg's got it in the bag I mean oh, three he's a three I'm director guessing, Oscar mm -hmm. yeah my, my point is that I mean this is what I said even before anyone saw the Fablemans was that Spielberg feels like he should have a third directing Oscar mm -hmm. he's the only living filmmaker who feels like he's in the camp of William Wyler, 
Frank Capra and John mm-hmm. Ford. And regardless of what you think of Spielberg as a director, like you can dislike him. Even if you don't like him, you have to acknowledge that he has the reputation that puts him in with, with that like elite crew. Um, my second point was that it's been 20, 23 years, 22, 24 years since he won. His private Ryan one. was 99. Yeah. Yeah. Um, West Side Story kind of flopped, like, and and it feels like there's a bit of indignity <clears throat> over that, that it kind of underperformed. So I think that he's gonna feel due. And also, it's a movie about mm-hmm. loving movies. Like, it all the magic is. There. I know it hits all the marks too. Um, um, yeah, I mean, he's got it in the bag, and I just it was interesting though thinking of the other four. Like, would you put Todd Field in there? Would you put I? Sorry, you, who were you gonna ask? I mean, I was just speculating. Um, I mean, obviously we have two months to go, but like, yeah. obviously, uh, right now, my you guess say? Yeah. is Spielberg. Mm-hmm. I think Sarah Polly, yes. the women talking, yes, which yes. I've seen, and is for for like an austere movie that is mostly a group of women having an argument about sexual mm-hmm. assaults. Yeah, uh, women talking plays like a crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. You will be blown away by how like stand up and cheer and f- how funny this movie is. Um, I think Polly's probably Spielberg's biggest competition for the win. Wow. I think McDonough's has it in the bag because I think Banshee's is going to mm. win best picture. He's an Academy favorite. Really? Yes. Having seen the film, I, I'm inclined to agree, but Fableman's is like Fableman's it's such is, a heavyweight on every technical but, level. But the heavyweight level. right now. All, almost always whiffs. That's a good no, point. Nobody dislikes Banshees, and you mm-hmm. need second and third place votes to win Best Picture. And also, like I said, nobody dislikes Banshees. No one. Because it's real. You've seen it. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Oh my god, you can take yeah. your grandparents to it. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a dark comedy for the whole family. It's so sad and invigorating. But here's my real point as to why I think Banshees going Best mm-hmm. Picture. Three billboards probably came within a hair of winning best picture i know and how scary was that half of every person who saw three billboards hated three billboards and the people who liked three billboards kind of had to concede the ground to them mm-hmm. like like you hated three billboards i right? don't i'm in the middle you're in the you- middle i kind of hate it you can agree that even the th- back in 2017 even the three billboards the pro three yeah. billboards team felt like they had to acknowledge that the antis were in the right in a way yeah it became like a, a major award season villain which was yeah i but love to see does that, that well as a villain how's him thing. doing this like universally beloved comedy gonna play okay so director those are my director picks um can i throw in a few well i was gonna say my last two todd field oh, and sorry, yeah. yeah 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 i think field 100%. i think that movie's kind of undeniable mm-hmm. um I, I know some people are like poo-poo. It might be a little too arty, but the director's branch always goes a little arty. And then... Yeah, and it's he's been away for 20 yes. years. Yes, so. 100%. It's such mm. an obviously directed movie. And then <laughs> I think Triangle of Sadness is probably mm. in the mix to be like the 10th best picture nominee. But regardless, that even if that misses picture, and that movie stinks, uh, <laughs> Usland... Osland is the kind of guy who's got the director's guild is going to go for above the other branches, like a Thomas Vinterberg or a mm. Bennett Miller or a Pavel 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 Pavel
I don't think yeah. I don't think there's going to be a non-English language movie in the mix next year. And I think Triangle mm-hmm. of Sadness is going to de facto take that spot because it is, even though it is in English, it's by you know a Swedish director and it's like a Swedish French co-production. Right, right. Parasite also set a precedent for if so, a movie wins the Palm d'Or, for some reason, a lot of people think, yes. oh, it has a shot at Best Picture because people are like, Titan. <laughs> a few people. people had, they said Julia Ducourneau could snag a Best Director nomination just because it was so. I loved it, can, which is a weird precedent that Parasite sent, I think. But yeah, it's I incorrect. Mean, I think it's incorrect. Drive My Car kind of stole its thunder at the end of the day. Absolutely. Um, a movie so. that I feel like if the con, con jury could vote now, I think they probably would have given it to drive my car. 100%. Um, that being said, if if we ever, my, my dream is to get access to the Oscar vote tallies. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised Release them, to find please. Out. Yeah. Oh my God. If that Julia DeCarnau was like seventh place for a best director nomination. Last Wild. Year. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, that's just my, that's my guess. Who are you mm. thinking for director? No, I, I tend to agree with you. I was just going to throw out like, what about Joseph Kaczynski? Zero percent. Zero percent. I think as a shot at the Top Gun, the Top Gun Oscar chances are wildly being overstated. That's that's fair. I, I mean, I I just tend to agree with the crowd pleasing aspect of that movie, and that it's just highly highly grossing. You know, like not like just, Titanic level, but it's a movie everyone loves. It's technical feat. Yeah. And Tom Cruise, like the most beloved movie star on the planet. I just don't. But that's more. It's Tom Cruise's moment, not Kaczynski's. So I recognize that. But any other year, I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. But if you want to make the case for Top Gun's going to get in because it's this beloved, you know, blockbuster that brought people back to theaters and everyone loves it. Sure. Fine. There's a James Cameron movie coming out. <laughs> My my other take is that I think I think this and I'm I'm I might be a bit of a stick in the mud about the Top Gun Best Picture thing. I don't think it has zero shot, but I think we're looking at a best picture field that's going to be probably half crowd pleasers and blockbusters. Mm-hmm. And I just feel mm-hmm. like for all that Top Gun, like again, any other year feels like it would get in there as the representation for that when it's got when its competition is. Black Panther, Avatar, mm-hmm. Glass Onion, Woman King, and everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Top Gun Maverick is the least prestige of that crowd. And when it's such a like blockbustery crowd, I think that's gonna work against it. That's mm-hmm. my prediction. Kaczynski's not getting director. Like you like okay. you said, it's not his moment. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. All right, rapid fire. Tell me if you think these directors will have any slight yeah. chance. James Gray. Uh, no, um, no. Okay. Uh, Spielberg kind of ate his lunch just because they both, they both did the auto auto bio thing. And I know, know James Gray, Gray is so pickly. I Gray, love him. But he's, he's so pickly. pickly. I know he yeah. honestly, like one of the worst timings to make a movie oh, of that it sort. Sucks. It's, it, it's sad. And I saw Armageddon time on Friday and it was lovely. Is it? It is absolutely lovely. How um, do you feel about Hopkins sneaking into supporting? I haven't seen it yet. He would be my winner at this point. Uh, who, who did you mention before? You said uh, um, Judd Hirsch. Judd I Hirsch. think Hirsch. I think Kahi Kwan. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm sorry. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hirsch, Kahi Kwan, um, Wish on Women Talking. Okay. Uh, 
those three and, Frank Gleason, and um, Frank Gleason, Gleason. Gleason. Yeah, yeah. those four Terrific. feel like the likely nominees. I have no idea who's going to win of that set. Right. But the, the Academy really likes Hopkins. So that's why I'm wondering. That would be uh, that'd be three Oscars for him, wouldn't it? Oh, I don't yeah. think he's going to win. I think I'm saying for, as a nominee. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. As a nominee. Yeah. You think he's in? Uh, it's tough to say. Um, um, per- personally, my ballot, I'd throw him in. He's, he's incredible. But uh, who else was it? Oh, yeah. Damien Chazelle in or out. Nah, that movie screams bomb. <laughs> Everything about it, right? It, it, Dude, all of his movies have made their money back. No, am I did First Man. First I Man was a First hit. First Man was like quietly a hit, I think. I don't know, man. This just it just. <laughs> You see, it's going to be three hours and eight minutes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm in the minority. I'm not excited about that at all. I'm kind of excited about that, but that uh, a three hour and eight minute movie that apparently was like on the edge of getting an NC seventeen. Right. From, right. from a guy who's kind of got nothing to say. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't see it landing well. Okay, that's fair. I. Uh, it's like. But it's a weak picture field, so it could get into picture. I was going to say, like, I feel like a movie about Hollywood made by the guy that did La La Land. It's like the numbers are there if you crunch them. Like he's 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 got a chance, but not, an, not, not an advocate at all. Not an I am not all. confident enough that I would put money against him getting a best director nomination. Right. That's what but I'm I, saying. Yeah. Like I, I've put money on Top Gun missing picture. <laughs> Um, I, I will. I want to talk to you about this when that comes out too. So, because that, that's gonna be, that's gonna be fascinating for Top yeah, Gun. Sure. Oh, Top Gun. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe I'll be, oh Elvis. I forgot Elvis when I was rattling off all the big crowd pleasing blockbusters that Top Gun has to compete with. Mm, Fucking Elvis is in the mix, my dude. I mean, I put all my money in Austin Butler, but I don't know if he's not winning. But he's no, 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 absolutely not. No, no, no. He's but look, man, Baz Luhrmann. I. I I, I want just nothing but good for him, you know. I love so, him. I he love should him remake so much. Bond. <laughs> this is my hot take. Uh, I don't want anyone to touch Blonde anymore. That's like a reekage that needs to be just <laughs> forgotten so about for a long time. But um, a few more I just wanted yeah. to mention: what, the Daniels, yes or no? I I think everything's the the reputation. Everything as an Oscar juggernaut is maybe a little overstated. Um, I think they're probably a lock to win screenplay. And I think that is going to be their reward more than getting it as directors. Mm. I think it's just too crowded. That is a lock for screenplay. It feels feels like a slam dunk. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I just don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they will. I'm more confident about, I, I feel they have better chances than anyone else you've said. Okay. But I think field and McDonough, and Osland all see more like directors branch picks. Every time you say Osland, I just die a little bit inside. Did you see it? I, I, no, no. I oh, don't. it's awful. <laughs> I hate him. He sucks so bad. <laughs> um, Force Majeure is fine. But, Force uh, Majeure is fine. It's, it's a good time. <laughs> I don't see it being the end-all be-all of, you know, satire of the 2010s, yeah. which some people no. have said. But, okay, one more. This one's just for me. Uh, SS Rajamoli for RRR. Can you imagine a world where that would happen and it, how it's glorious? never going to happen? No, but it would be incredible. A dark horse pick though, because people have rediscovered it for the past six months. Yeah. I wonder if so they're going to put it back. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if I was running variants, I would put all my weight 
on uh, trying to get Natu Natu into yes, song, please. which I think very well could happen. Um, and like, not not to be crass, but you know, Rajamouli uh, signed with CAA. He said he's got another Hollywood film in the pipe, um, mm-hmm. but it sounds like after that he's going to come over and do something in America. Uh, if mm. I were Variance Films, uh, I would maybe try to get Natu Natu in uh, into it, and then like be able to take the credit in five years when that's, that's a studio great. with a bigger budget yeah. sneaks it in. I don't know. It feels if it happens, I think it has a better shot at picture than director. To be honest. Mm. But if it and I don't think it has a very good shot. If it happens, it's gonna be awesome. Amazing. Like, like I said, that was just for me. I he's that's the directorial achievement of the year, in my opinion. So it's, I was like, sneak it in in my ballot. But yeah, it's, it's a very never special movie. It's not even his best movie. All you RRR heads, uh, track down Magadira from 2009, which is the first movie of his that I saw. It's Ram Charan's first movie. Mm. That thing is next level good that's better than rrr yeah okay my one ping on rrr is that i wish there was a little more dancing in it yes uh, and magadira kind of touches that scratches that itch for me <laughs> we need more dance sequences with suspenders in film you know like it's so good that's so, so invigorating good. that whole sequence so is, yeah i don't think gold derby even has rr on the list which is maybe gold derby's <laughs> travesty bias, but it's a lock for foreign language film. That would no, it's not. It, no, it's, it's it's a lock to not get foreign international film. It's it wasn't their pick. It's not. No, India what did picked they something choose? else. Uh, hold on. That is utterly shocking to me. Um, not. I'm not really the, the maybe the person to to be speaking on this. <laughs> My understanding is that there's a bit of a cultural thing that uh, RRR is maybe just mindless entertainment and they wanted something a little artsier whatever yeah it's not for them our is a weird case because it's really the first indian like blockbuster that has been actively sold to white american audiences like not to be crass but that's what's going on here i'm guilty of it too yeah and i'll say this i am not in any way an expert in indian cinema um i find Mm. I find it very intimidating and I have very few endpoints, And that's part of the reason I find it intimidating. Uh, I just happened to see a screening of Bagadira like five years ago. I got into Roger Mooley for a while. Nice. So, I mean, and it, it always, I, I'd always thought like he could probably crack over here because um, just the spectacle of it, it like, like exactly what happened with RR that people yes. want that sort of spectacle in American cinemas. Yeah, <clears throat> they did a retrospective of all of his films here in L.A. And I did you go? I'm my so biggest jealous. regret. No, I were I had to work. Uh-huh. And it was my biggest regret not taking off and going to that because they played, I believe, four or five of his films and they ended with yeah. RRR and he was there. So he was doing like sort of a retrospective talk between each film. Um, yeah. But God, I, I I wish I had shelled out. Yeah, for I mean, that. like I said, I'm I'm pretty sure within I mean, he works very slowly. Mm. For obvious reasons, you have there's, to, yeah. Those movies, but he he often like if you look at it, it's usually like three or four years between movies, um, mm. and I think well, most of that is because they're such belabored, grandiose productions. Um, <laughs> but I would not be surprised if in like within the next decade, I think he's going to make an American film. Um, and I'm interested in seeing what that's going to look like. Was your dream casting for like 
not to say he would remake RRR, but if you made a buddy movie in the States, who, what dudes would you pick for? Well, Ch- uh, Chain Tatum. <laughs> Chain Tatum. The physicality. Like the, the physicality. I, I, exactly. I'm thinking yeah. like who's physical, who can move. Um, I mean, who can dance these days? You know, that's the thing. Austin Butler proved us he could. He Butler, pretty Butler's well. good. I don't know if Butler's funny is the thing. <laughs> I um, don't think he is. I also don't know if Austin <laughs> Butler is a good actor or someone who cast a magic spell to channel the spirit of Elvis Presley in that movie. No, uh, that's exactly what I said. That's my um, hesitance for his nomination, but he's incredible. You know, but someone who maybe, can't, I don't know if he can dance, but has that sense of like physical space and is funny and charming and mm. i think it's surprising this guy hasn't done something with channing tatum yet because i think it just it seems like a natural pair gosling yeah i'm a yeah, big yeah. let gosling be funny proponent yes um, i i'm kind of tired of the glower i'm <laughs> tell me about it no more reffing for you gosling just yeah. do more I don't know. i'm just i'm terrified that roger molly is going to get put on a marvel movie and it's gonna suck. And I don't I, say I, that. I, I don't think say that. Well, what the worst part is that's what I said on Letterboxd when Thor Ragnarok came out. I said they should just hire Roger Molly. Oh yeah. Yeah. And now I'm terrified it's gonna happen. Uh, you manifest it. You're gonna manifest I it know. again. Fuck. Uh, anyway, um we should pivot. We should pivot yeah, to we should October talk. About talk. Horror movies in this horror um, movie podcast. <laughs> Look, that Oscar talk and Reichardt talk was for me and me alone. Oh, no, please. I love doing the Oscar talk. Uh, Me too. Me too. So uh, You know know how you specifically know how insane I get. I do. I I wanted to pick your brain a little bit just for we could go through every category and I'd be thrilled. But let's uh, Let's, we we can do it at some point. Do it another point. Yeah. On or off mic. Who cares? Yeah. 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 Happy to. Absolutely. Um, I just wanted to talk about Halloween, man. I just want to talk about October, my favorite month of the year. I know it's it's a broken record to sort of say that it's fun to watch horror movies and cuddle up, but like, I just adore it. It's like my favorite thing ever. Um, when did that start for you? Cause for me, it was, I, I mean, I grew up in the age of cable television. I'm sorry to say. So I was, I was throwing on AMC and watching all of the Halloween movies uh, start to finish every year. When I was a teenager, I would go to blockbuster. I'd rent all the nightmare movies and the Friday movies. Um, and I grew up in the Midwest. So the fall weather is infectious and I just love the spirit of everything so what about you like when did you start like throwing yourself into the genre when october comes around i mean i think like like a lot of stuff that you are saying is 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 the same that's true for me cool um you know there used to be a blockbuster 10 minute a 10 minute walk from the house i grew up in Mm -hmm. um and you know that was just an easy way to like raid stuff we also had it's it's closed now, but we had in my hometown one of the biggest uh, independent video stores in the country in terms of library size. Mm. Um, and I didn't love that place because the people who worked there were kind of assholes. <laughs> but um, but it was also the sort of place we could just like hole up in the horror section, just like look at boxes, which that was a big thing for me was like this perverse fascination of having a kid yeah. of just like wanting to know what's in these movies and like that that threat. In terms of like my obsessive, like spend October just watching horror movies thing, I've been on Letterboxd since 2012. And I yeah, really, I don't think, yeah, I really was. Um, uh, I think I was literally uh, the first day they opened up the beta 
I got in. Um, that's nothing insane. to brag about. There's nothing to brag about. It no, no, that's just um, how did you even know? Uh, somebody got an access code and passed. It was like, you might like this. I don't even know oh, who it was. Okay, okay. Um, but it was like a Twitter thing. Mm. Um, but I think that that like that sense of like letterbox with letterbox comes. I think the joint sense that you are more conscious about patterns in what you're watching and yes. the sense that whether or not they are, people can be observing what you're watching. And I think that um, kind of just sparked in me a desire to like do this committed. Oh yeah. No October is only horror movies thing. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not, I'm not like a, a zealot about it. Um, like I saw showing up, like we we were talking about, mm-hmm. I'll I'll go see non horror movies in, uh, in like theaters, or whatever. I watched a couple at home that weren't horror, but generally, unless there's a specific reason I need to be watching a non horror movie during October, mm-hmm. I'm never just gonna be like, oh, I just want to throw something on and I'll pick a comedy. Yeah, like I, I do try to stay committed to it and the first year i was i i set a goal of like i'm gonna watch 50 new horror movies and then the second year i was like i'm just gonna watch 100 horror movies i pulled that off i pulled it off um i tried to keep doing that for a couple of years i never pulled it off again and past couple years i've been like i don't have a goal um i'm just i'm just going for it that's what I was going to bring up because I, I think you, you are a big reason why I caught this bug because I saw you doing this via letterbox yeah. where you would say, I might try to hit 50 movies. And I tried to hit, I think in 2017, 2018, something like that, I hit 50, which to you, I mean, that sounds pretty, you know, rudimentary, but like that for me was maybe the I most films I've ever watched. Movies. Right. I mean, me too, but it's, it's the binge factor of yeah. October where I, I left the my apartment way less. Um, I I held up there a lot just to hit that mark. Um, and there's something that, my mental health always takes a toll on October because of this. <laughs> and I just wanted to like dig in. Um, is it bad that we do this? Or but I I only watched 22 this month. I'll say I'll say right up top. Um, we have two days left in the in the month. Um, yeah. And even then, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Because I still go to the theaters. I still watch. You know. I've been watching a Stanley Kubrick movie a week and stuff like Me that. Me too, so, yeah. Which, you know, um, I have almost, my patterns. We're almost out. We're almost out. <laughs> we're almost free. I'm so fucking tired of Stanley Kubrick. Okay. Worse than Tim Burton for you? For a, a director binge? No, clearly not. Clearly <laughs> not. I just would love to catch that on mic. That would be an amazing soundbite. <sighs> But no, no, absolutely. People not. don't tell me Tim Burton is good to the same degree they tell me Stanley Kubrick is good, though. <laughs> I know. I no. I mean, I, fear and desire is down there. <laughs> um, but no, I kind of get what you're saying. Like, I, I definitely, even though I don't have this, like, oh my god, I need to hit a hundred thing in me. I do definitely like watch more movies during October than I do during other months. Yeah. And I think around like this last week, I do usually start to get a little burnt out. Like I'm really excited for uh, for Tuesday to come. We're recording yes. this on the 30th, by the way. I'm yes, really yes, excited yes. for Tuesday to come, and mm-hmm. I can watch like um, I don't know. I'm just I'm just keeping like a, a I have a mental list running in my head of 
non-horror movies that have gone to streaming this yeah, past yeah, yeah. month and it's like um, so I much haven't, i haven't There's watched so the new much. lena dunham movie yet um, i know Bert, which looks yeah, incredible yeah. it looks it super looks charming amazing. um there's stuff like that that james bond music documentary just sounds like catnip to mm. me like i'm really <laughs> excited to get to like I, I, not that i don't like horror but like, as we hit this this end streak i'm like two more days and then i can watch like yeah. a nice comedy or an action movie or something it's normal to get fatigued for one particular genre yeah. specifically but it's part of why I love it because I yeah. of, I get enraptured in this particular feeling when watching films. But yeah, it's I can't wait. I I I think I'm gonna go see the new Park Chan Walk movie the day, and that's uh, horror adjacent. So no, not not in the slightest. Not, not in the slightest. No, trust me. I'm I just that. associate with Park Chan Walk nope. as as no. It's yeah. that's good it's, to hear though. That's good to hear then. It's it's very Hitchcocky. Mm-hmm. It's very silly. Yes. He has called it a rom com. He's not lying. Um it's like his, I, his Rebecca or something. I I mean it 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 very literally is riffing on a specific Hitchcock movie that is not Rebecca. Okay. But tonally it feels like this hypermediated manic contemporary riff on the tone of like his his 30s stuff like the lady vanishes or 39 steps where mm. they're like thrillers but they're also like light comedies you know what i'm saying yeah yeah like there's that there's that Love bubbliness to early hitchcock there is um and while this narratively is taking more of its cues from a certain late hitchcock movie um and is very serious one must be serious it can be very violent and it's very you know um, it is. It has that bubbly, silly energy to it, which I think is really interesting. I don't. Know, I need to see it again. Um, I might have fallen asleep during part of it. I was definitely exhausted when I saw it. I saw it near film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not saying I know that I didn't like it as much as I will. Yeah, uh, I certainly am a little softer than a lot of people are. I do think I was not the best audience member for it, and I want to see it again before I'm confident yeah. on that. Um, I think you're gonna have a blast. I will. I, I mean, yeah. in 2016, when I saw The Handmaiden, that was probably the best theater experience I had all year. So I want that movie is also very funny, but it's a totally exactly. different yeah. funny. I'm sure you'll, you'll sure. get it within like 10 minutes of this movie starting. You'll okay. get what I'm talking though. The, the tone is very apparent. And Tong Wei definitely was one of the best, best performances of the year. Awesome. Uh, Comfortable. I, I Give yeah. it to me now. I but just can't don't don't worry that that's going to be horror adjacent like his other stuff is. No, no. Yeah, I was. It's, Preconceived notions, you know. That's it's it, his most. You know? I I know I already used this analogy. It's his most like show it to your grandparents movie he's ever made. It if if they say they swear a lot in it, I feel like if they didn't swear a lot in it, this could have mm-hmm. this would probably be a PG thirteen. Um. Wow. It's 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 got a very light touch, and it's 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 way more like inviting than a lot of his other stuff is. That's in relieving. That, that's relieving. I think that's actually. why so many people are so taken with it because mm-hmm. it's such. It is such a unique thing. I don't know. I'm really. I'm seeing it again this weekend. I'm really excited. Great, great. I mean, after watching Thirst, which is maybe his most punishing Thirst. film, it is. It's also really comical, but in the sense of like French extreme horror. Yeah, you know where. You know, there's a there's a perverse comedy to a lot of his stuff. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but I just watched that because it fit the mold of October. And uh-huh, like, absolutely. I wanted to I yeah. did not end up watching that, but I thought about it. Mm-hmm. It was it was on my it was on my short list. It's it's great. I, yeah. I highly recommend it. Part uh Song King Ho is brilliant. I love Song King Ho. Um, Everyone loves Song King Ho. Um God, I was I was did you see the Kareda movie at New York Film Festival? Did not play. I, I did know not this play. another okay. Did did not know. I don't really like Kareda. Sorry. I don't, I don't know what to say to that. I've but. only seen Shoplifters, <laughs> which is basically. No, you have to movie. watch more. You have to watch more. Yeah, only, but like, okay, here's my hot take. Mm. Everyone who's like, Coda is bullshit. Coda's bad. Coda, there's like no craft to Coda, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff people, the anti Coda contingent were saying mm-hmm. last year. Anyone who holds that opinion. Uh, but likes shoplifters uh, is just letting them buy into this notion that a Japanese film is inherently a better movie than an American film. Shoplifters is just a bad Sundance movie. I see what you're saying. It has good performances in it, but it is a mawkish, cheap, kind of hacky tearjerker. And if that was an American film, everyone would see it for what it is. Yeah. Sorry. It has a... It has Sorry. a South Korean charm, dude. It has that. No. It has that gentleness of Ozu. No, I there's love nothing it. to. Ah, okay. Sorry. Sorry. I, see, that's why I don't ask about directors I like. You know, so I always get hurt. Um, what should have won? Can we agree that Under the Silver Lake or Cold War should have won the Palm that year? Uh, no. <laughs> I, would, I would still go shoplifters. Uh, uh, <laughs> Under the Cold Silver War, Lake's a perverse a movie that does, I don't think should have won can. I love it, but oh, it's not a oh. it's not a Paul Dor winner. That is the only Coriator film I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should not blow him off just like that. The new one looks interminable, I'm just gonna say. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. If you were sure Afterlife and Air Doll and Still Walking are wonderful. Still Walking is wonderful. I'll watch it. I'll okay. watch it. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah that anyway uh back back to october uh uh should we just talk about the movies we want to talk about now yeah does that sound good yeah um i will go first um do you want to go first you're the you guest first. You go first. I, I, I gotta be hospitable here i'm no um, I'm, I'm, I, I would i would like you to go first okay okay um i'm gonna pick I'll, I'll talk about a movie i know you adore as well um uh, my one of my favorite horror directors toby hooper and his next movie after what I consider the greatest horror movie of all time, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he made Eaten Alive, which is just terrific on every level. It is a sensory experience, like unlike any 70s horror movie that I've seen. If you know, you know, like if you've seen the movie, there is it is punishing to watch, but it also has his perverse humor in, in his characters <laughs> and how everyone's downright the worst character you've ever character in a film that you've ever seen and the sets are wonderful i just that was the first movie i watched in october just because i was dying to watch it for so long um and it rules yeah it's it, five out of five masterpiece uh, do you have anything to add about eating alive uh, i i adore eating alive i um i saw it for the first time last year i put it off for a long time even though i am a big hooper guy not not as big as some people are uh, but I quite mm-hmm. like Cooper. Um, I put it up for a long time because I don't know. They, they, everyone always sells it as a killer crocodile movie. 
uh, which it kind of is, I guess. Kind of is. But in the same, but it's a killer crocodile movie in the same way that X and Pearl are killer crocodile movies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which, which I don't think I realized that was the case because I'm going to say killer animal movies are like, I never really vibe with them. Like, obviously, there are some good ones, but it just, it, it doesn't spark interest in me. Mm-hmm. So I put it off, but I watched it and somebody said this. I was reading some stuff. I can't remember who. Somebody said it's basically his version of an old Dark House movie. And that's mm-hmm. really what it mm-hmm. is, is it's, the, the 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 crocodile or is an alligator i can't remember is is mm. a relatively minor part as is this idea that the guy who runs this motel is a serial killer the real tension of the movie is all these people coming to the motel yeah, yeah. their own stories their own perversities and grotesqueries mm. and the way all this like very rancid evil kind of collides with itself yes yeah in this almost cursed location that yeah. feels like it's summoning evil to it. That's the one where my name's Buck and I like to fuck comes from, right? Am I, it is, yeah, 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 Absolutely. yeah, yeah, from, from Kill Bill. From Kill um, Bill. But no, it's, I mean, it's not a pleasant watch, but no. like, it is probably Hooper's like most perverse capturing of like pure raw evil. Yeah. In a way on camera. Yeah, yeah. He made Texas Chainsaw, which is, I also think is a better <laughs> movie, but. Absolutely. There's a levity to Texas Chainsaw that I think is gone in Eaten Alive, uh, in a way. Yeah, Eaten Alive is more fragmented than Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. Like Texas Chainsaw, like builds off of each other. Where like Eaten Alive is almost like the geography matters so much because you're following like three different plot lines at a time, quite literally on different levels of the house, which is so fun. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's a punishing watch, but I will still give it my highest recommendations. You've got uh, a great early Bob Anglin performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's um, such a scumbag in that movie. It's a, a great, a great performance yeah. by uh, William Finley, mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. great, um, you know, character actor. I think most people would probably know from uh, Brian De Palma movies. Yeah, Fam of the Paradise, uh, the, right? The titular Fam of the Paradise. It's also a, one of the few movies Kyle Richards made. Like she's in this, <laughs> like a year before Halloween, two years before Halloween. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's right. Did you see yeah. that? Um, I know you didn't want to talk about Halloween ads. We don't That's have fine. to. But I do think we have to give David Gordon Green props for recreating the Kyle Richards screaming woman meme in, in Halloween. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I know exactly. That, yeah, that one meme it. listeners from Real Housewives, mm-hmm. where the brunette is holding back the angry blonde woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's Kyle Richards holding her back, and David Gerda Green has that like exact same setup occur with Kyle Richards in Halloween Ends. Uh, Halloween Ends, a great movie. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's a great Easter egg. No, I love that. It's so funny. That's, that's great. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what's your, what, what do you want to kick off with? So you had asked me to put together a top five, um, mm-hmm. which I did. Thank you. I stuck to stuff that um discovery so i didn't put any rewatches i didn't put in any mm-hmm. new releases just because i thought that was more interesting and i don't know that i really saw any truly great new releases um i will say i cheated uh, my number five thing i want to talk about from uh this this past month mm-hmm. is not the fifth best movie i saw this month um i saw quite a bit of stuff that i think was better than this mm-hmm. but it is the only movie I saw this month that I think truly scared me. Mm. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. Um, the movie is called Savage Land. 
Uh, it's from 2015. It's directed by, hold on here, Phil Guidry, Simon Herbert, and David Whelan. Uh, to my best of my knowledge, this is the only movie any of the three of them have made, let alone together. Um, mm. It's a found footage movie. Um, I, I think more than any uh, any genre, any like horror subgenre, I tend to prefer when found footage movies do something different. Um, mm. Certainly, there are like obviously like the big ones I like, and certainly there are movies that I quite like. Like something like Grave Encounters, um, that really is just like it's just a very scary found footage movie. Mm-hmm. But if, if you ask me to list out the found footage movies that I really am taken with, uh, the ones that come to mind are stuff like Lake Mungo or yes. Noroi yeah, yeah. or Butterfly Kisses, all of which um I mean, I guess talking this out now, all of which I think do something formally or narratively very intriguing though i noticed now that i listed those three movies and i've also listed this movie i guess the other thing that i'm really taken with is found footage movies that are fake documentaries yeah which like the blair witch project is not a fake documentary Mm -hmm. paranormal activity is not a fake documentary those are the cases where it's like we have found this footage and we are presenting it to you a movie like make lake mungo or like this movie, Savage Land, is like, we have found this movie and we have gone through and made a documentary centering on it with talking heads, with this sense of context. That's less, th- these movies become less, I think, about this descent into death. That's something mm. like Paranormal Activity or Hell House LLC. Very, two very terrific movies are. Yeah, um, awesome. So movie. Savage Land is, like I said, it is a, it is a pseudo documentary. It is incredibly dry. Like mm. it really feels like uh like an early true crime documentary, like not those contemporary true crime documentaries that are very sensationalized, but like mm-hmm. almost something that could have aired on PBS. Like wow. it is it is very affecting this very bored sense. And the conceit of this movie is that there's a small town in Arizona near Mexico, less than a hundred people live there. They're pretty much all immigrants who work in the actual town a bit north. And one night, everyone in the town dies. Dies or disappears because all that's left is just strewn body parts all over the town. And mm-hmm. they don't, they, they really don't have any sense of like who's here and who's left because mm-hmm. everything's just so mutilated. There's one survivor. He gets arrested. He gets convicted for going on a rampage. The, the crux of the documentary for the first half is a movie about like the sort of activist work people in the town and people from outside the town are doing to clear this guy's name. About half of the movie, they stumble on a cache of photographs that he took that night that the prosecution had ruled as fraudulent. And that's the first trick of this movie. So this is a found footage movie where the footage that is found is still in images. Mm. And the second half of the movie charts a comparison bit for bit of what the prosecution said this guy's massacre was versus what is the story that these photographs tell. And these photographs are really upsetting and haunting. And this, they, they suffuse this movie with such a like true dread. And just sense that there's something else out there 
that like I had a I truly had a hard time sleeping that night and it it wow. stuck with me and like is this the best movie I've ever seen? No, I think it's a solid like pretty good mm. B B minus movie. That's just very scary. I think a lot of people are going to get turned off by how dry it is. Yes. But I'm going to say this is a found footage movie. It is also another horror subgenre. I don't want to say what that horror subgenre is. If I told you what it is, because it is kind of a surprise when you realize what this movie is. If I told you what this movie is, and certainly when the reveal happened, my heart kind of sank because I was like, oh, God, this would you would be like, well, there's no way anyone's making a good blank movie ever again. It's the most played out conventional horror subgenre there is. And this movie makes it scary again. Mm. It's what I have to imagine it was when a certain movie was made. Some time ago. I'm sorry I'm dancing around this. <laughs> I don't want to give it away. No, please don't. Um, no, I'm yeah, the movie old. is Savage Land. It's 80 minutes long. It's really scary. It's on Tubi, the best streaming service. The greatest streaming service. So, absolutely. Bar none. Yeah, yeah. Which which sometimes I will say sometimes the Tubi of it all can be a little annoying when you're watching a movie. Uh this <laughs> movie with how dry it is and how like I mean, I was scrolling through Letterbox and I know some people were like, I thought this was a real documentary until about halfway through. Um, the the ads interrupting this movie actually kind of help. Okay, because yeah, yeah. because it kind of feels like what you something you like stumble on a TV. That's it feels a, like something that could air in the History Channel. That's, that's I said a, PBS. This is yeah, like a yeah. History Channel dry, dryness to it. Gotcha. Yeah, that is the beauty of Tubi. Not to get off topic, but like I love the the ads create like a, an illusion that uh, you're watching something on cable, especially when you're watching like something like you're talking about like a a found footage, not mockumentary, but like trying to play off the fact that it could be real or an actual documentary on PBS, which that's really creative with the form, you know, like I love Blair Witch Project, but it's also, it sells itself that it actually happened. And at the time it's really innovative, but now it's like, it's become somewhat of a overused trope. So that sounds like it really reinvents at least the marketing aspect of the movie you're yeah. talking about because that it's a very stale genre at this point in time. Um, and I feel like the ones like really obscure ones like that you just brought up are the ones that will stand out. So yeah. um, I would hope no one needs to be told to go see like Lake Mungo at this point. The Lake Mungo is incredible. Like, yeah, but I, 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 would, I would hope yeah. that, you know, 12 years later, everyone knows that you should watch Lake Mungo. Sure. Uh, yeah, and yeah. the other ones I listed, like I said, Neroy the Curse, mm-hmm. Butterfly Kisses. These are all available. These are all out there. Poughkeepsie Tapes is out there now. Yeah. yeah. Hell House um, is genuinely, yeah, frightening to me. Hell House, and, uh, Hell House LLC is wonderful, but Hell House LLC is also like, it is just a, oh my God, we found some tapes of something horrible exactly. happening. Yeah. Like it doesn't reinvent the form. It's just extraordinary. And then he made two dog shit sequels. <laughs> And also, did you know that there is a director's cut of Hell House LLC that is 39 minutes longer? No, but I will seek that out. I truly think Stephen Cognetti doesn't understand why (laughs) Hell House LLC was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, judging on making two sequels off of that same concept is absurd. That are terrible. Two sequels that are terrible and that are mostly lore. (laughs) <laughs> when when hellos llc the reason hellos llc is good is because there is no lore a, yeah it's a mystery it's, it's a like, mystery yeah like literally hellos llc is something horrible happened in this basement unfortunately we didn't capture it on film so we're yeah, going to show yeah, yeah. you everything else around it 
Um, he's making a fucking prequel. He's making Hellhouse LLC Origins. He needs to be stopped. Yeah, someone pull him off, like Jason Blum or someone, <laughs> like yes. anyone. I mean, he probably just man. doesn't have anything else. I, I, I truly think he made a movie by accident, or he made a bad movie, <laughs> and it was salvaged in the edit. Like mm-hmm. that could very well be the case too. Because if you tell me the director's cuts forty minutes longer, and Hell is LLC <laughs> is already like kind of probably too long. That's that's like purgatory. But I'm yeah. sorry, I get annoyed at this because the sequel's terrible. Hell else LLC is an incredible movie. Fantastic, fantastic. So scary. Yeah, yeah. Just imagery that still haunts my nightmares. To still this haunts my day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understands minimalism in the way that I think few found footage movies mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. And the ones that do, I do think, are the ones that are more formally adventurous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we were saying about like Mungo, there's yeah, kind of like the image is so vital in that movie, especially I work as an editor. So yeah. there's a lot of just the zoom ins in that movie are they hit close to home because like, there's nothing scarier than you think you perceive an image for what it is. And then like 10 minutes later, it's something totally different just in the corner of your eye. Like that movie preys on one of my greatest fears. And, and that's because of its minimalism too. just yeah. zooming in on a certain image. But yeah, that, that, it, it sucks so bad that Joel Anderson has not made a second movie. Yeah, what's this? Is a big mystery. What happened? It's I have no. I I truly have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, make no sequels, but make more movies, man. Yeah. Oh that. god. Oh god. <laughs> don't don't say like Mungo too. No, no, no. Absolutely not. No. Um, okay. Uh, I will. I'm. I'm kind of moving through time here. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna jump a decade later. Um. Yeah, uh, I'm going to talk about The Blob from 1988. Uh, Chuck Russell's The Blob. Um, I So a friend came over with this movie, and I I kind of loathe the 1950s version with Steve McQueen. Um, that might be a, a bit harsh, but I it didn't do much for me in terms of... I'm not a big fan of 1950s monsters movies like other people. Like People tend to romanticize them a lot more than... I think they should be, but that's just me. But uh, and the Blob remake though is possibly as good of a remake as the Fly, um, in terms of taking an original property and completely reinventing it uh, visually and tonally. And the 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 effects in this movie are not discussed enough. They are absolutely incredible. And just so <laughs> there's a scene in a phone booth in this film. I think you, you've seen the film, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a scene where a woman is being sort of absorbed by this blob in a phone booth. And you could see a human being in the blob that was killed earlier. And it's one of the most upsetting images wow. I've ever seen in a horror movie. Um Obviously, there's a ton of fun kills in this movie. There's a lot. There's a drain scene that kind of knocked my socks off. Um, there's a movie theater scene that's just incredible, just incredibly well executed. And this was like my biggest surprise of October because I like someone brought it over and just threw it on. I'm like, I do not need to see another iteration of the blob. And no one talks about it being like perhaps one of the greatest horror remakes of all time. And are you are you with me on that? Is, oh, un- undeniably. It's not yeah. just that it's. I mean, it's maybe the best, you know, like pure effect showcase of the yes. 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just the stuff, like as impressive as like anything 
in any nightmare movie is in the thing in you know any Stuart in Gordon picture um, in any Stuart Gordon picture as impressive as the shunting is at the end of society like I truly do think <laughs> just all the grotesque horror that they pull off with the blob in the blob is just it's just mind blowing and it's mm-hmm. it's so brilliantly I think like walks that line between like wonderful crowd pleaser and being legitimately upsetting in the yeah, same way yeah, that something like the thing does and I think it should be in that conversation mm-hmm. I'll also say that um, I don't know if there's any director in history who has a better first and second movie than Chuck, Chuck Russell. Russell yeah what uh nightmare three right nightmare three which is incredible and this obviously there are better debut films than nightmare on elm street three without are you sure question. are you sure about yeah that? i love nightmare on elm street three it's not even the best nightmare on elm street movie it's incredible um but i don't again i don't know that i can think of any filmmaker where one and two as a unit are as strong as the combo of uh Nightmare 3 and The Blob. And it kind of bumps me out that Chuck Russell was never able to really capitalize on that. 100%. I was discussing with my friends last night. Like, he fell down a weird rabbit hole of, of switching genres, like, yeah. left and right. Like, he made two of the most iconic 80s horror movies, I would say there yeah. is. But then he he works with Jim Carrey in The Mask. He switched, he works with Arnold yeah. in Eraser. The he thing does is, the first Scorpion King movie. It's just bizarre genre shifts to me is his new movie is finally coming out uh after seemingly just being on a permanent shelf paradise city with paradise Dr. city baby willis paradise city with your older bruce willis they shot that in like a week back in like may of 2021 um and then nothing i'm very excited for it uh just because i'm a bit of a chuck russell a tourist um no that's the thing about him that i like i don't really understand is that like say what you will about the mask is a movie but the mm-hmm. mask is a huge hit massive massive hit yeah. a bona fide like insane effects showcase mm-hmm. and i mean i know they said this on blank check when they did the scorpion king last year but they're right like why wasn't the mask chuck russell's aliens you know yeah like, is it because yeah, yeah. the Jim Carrey of it all, like Jim Carrey kind of becomes the auteur of these movies? hundred percent. But 100%. for anyone else, this sense of like, you make these two really successful, you know, horror movies in the eighties. And then you kind of graduate to this like effects bonanza studio film that, that people respond to like, you should not then do become the anonymous director of a late period Arnie movie. Like yeah. And I, I don't, is he, is he an asshole? Like is it, do people not think of him as the guy who made the mask work? Because he's definitely the guy who made the mask work. Hundred percent. Because nightmare three and blob are also like these insane effects showcases. Exactly. exactly. Takes six years off to like figure out the CGI. Mm-hmm. To get the mask mm-hmm. to be good. Like, that's why there's such a long gap. Is it because there's a huge gap? I don't know. But it's, I don't know. It's this weird, like, what if in Hollywood history of Chuck Russell, the the great failure of potential in a way. And I hate to be rude, but. No, no, no. 100%. Like, the man went over and did a Bollywood movie, for God's sake. That's interesting, but most American directors don't do that. It's him and Jennifer Lynch. <laughs> yeah, I he hooked his wagon to, like, yeah, The Rock and now John Travolta. It's it's yeah, he did two Travoltas, I think, right? Yeah, I am Wrath. 
Yeah, I, which yeah, I yeah, yeah. not very good. It doesn't sure look watch. very good. Bless this. Bless the child looks semi intriguing to me. Yeah, but that's also yeah. kind of just like a you know just a, a cheap studio programmer. And it looks borderline like a TV picture to me. Yeah, too, is like kind of. He's just the the potential of those first three movies. I don't mm-hmm. think should lead to the career he had since then. He is making another Bollywood movie. That's very <laughs> interesting. I should watch the first one he did. I um, I died to Jung Lee. Jung Lee, yeah. It? It's just it's yeah. just like American directors don't go over to India. Hell, Indian I, directors I, don't really come over to America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was sixty years old and he went over and made a Bollywood movie. That's <laughs> crazy. That's just that's just that's just so. And he's doing a second one. That's it's it's a very weird career. I don't know. I'm becoming more and more of a Chuck Russell of Taurus. I love that. I yeah. love that. And As someone who mostly would just like Nightmare and and Blob are great, and I had never really thought. But I just go back to Blob. I had a similar experience like ten years ago. I just like went to a screening of the blob and I was like, Oh, this will probably be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I saw the blob and I was like, Oh my God, this is like quietly one of the best movies of the eighties in any genre. Absolutely. And I, I adore it. It is such an artifact of its time also because of the cast. Cause you have Frank Darabont co-wrote this movie, which I didn't know about. Um, he also wrote nightmare three, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is I another did. thing that like, I know Darabont is another guy whose career kind of burnt out but that's true that's very true. like around the time chuck russell's career is starting to falter if we take this sense that like going to a racer is the downgrade darabont's making back-to-back best picture nominees like mm-hmm. who that are hits like you would think this association would help russell too but again yeah. Darab- darabont is kind of notorious well, so notorious at a school notorious asshole yeah it? exactly yeah, we yeah. both heard all the stories <laughs> That is that is bizarre that they have the same career trajectory. I never thought about that. Well, um, but but Darabont's is prestige. Yeah. And yeah, Russell's yeah. Russell becomes Darabont is prestige into being basically blacklisted. And he hooked his wagon to Stephen King, though, for yeah. all three movies. Yeah. And that's, there's a fourth one in there, isn't there? I, I, yeah, I think so. And then I'm forgetting. Nothing, nothing coming to mind. Um, um, yeah, he hooks his wagon to Stephen King. And I think all three of those movies are terrific. Um, everyone forgets that he created the evil, the walking dead. That's what I was going to say. He and then wagon got fired TV. off the walking dead. Yeah. 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 Uh, but that was supposed to be his big, th- Oh, the majestic is the other Frank Darabont movie. Mm. The, the yeah, Jim Carrey. Movie. No recollection. Jim. Yeah. Goddamn Carrey. <laughs> it all comes back. It all. Oh, back, yeah. he's a dollar baby. I didn't know that. Hmm. Do you know about the dollar babies? No, no, no. I don't I know do if not. this is still the thing. He does, but for a long time, Stephen King basically had like a thing he would do where he would sell rights to his movies to student film to student film students. Oh yes, I did to, to make yeah. shorts for a dollar. For a dollar, yeah. With the with the idea that they were never going to actually make money off the shorts. Right. Um, so he only awesome, did it though. like five or six times. Uh, Guy Madden, I'm looking at this right now. Apparently, Guy Madden was one, but never actually made the movie. Uh, but yeah, Frank Darabont was one of the first dollar babies. Wow. Uh, interesting. interesting. That's a cool thing that Stephen King did. I always thought that was really sweet. No, that's 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 really sweet. Oh, Man. you know what? He's doing it as soon as this year. Oh, he's not done. He's still doing it. He took what like a- six. He took like six years off, but oh, no, he'll still do it. Yeah. 
he's he's secretly a lovely man i never considered that yeah but. he seems cool it's a, it's a nice yeah. thing to do and like you don't lose anything from it mm-hmm. yeah yeah anyway yeah the blob great movie yeah i also want to russell sh- what happened it, it fucking rules what happened it's to so chuck good. russell i would i also love i'm spoilers for the blob fast forward 30 seconds but it's a third real mm-hmm. movie any movie that kills a kid <laughs> you know killing a kid always good yeah to- those kids suck too. Yeah. Those kids were the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, also, seeing Shawnee Smith in any movie, I always love. Uh, who played Amanda in the Saw movies? I, mm-hmm. I always thought she was a terrific actor. She was a big child star. I didn't realize yeah. prior to Saw. So, and of course, Kevin Dillon, a, a, uh, just just a great <laughs> cast of like weird a, character. Exactly. Actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, seek it out. It is a lovely. There's a blue remake. right. There's a yeah, but uh, we watched the Shout Factory. Blu-ray. There's a Shout Factory disc. Okay, the cool, transfer cool. is magnificent. It looks okay. like I a new movie. Up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, they still haven't shipped my order from a month ago, but that's okay. I understand. I'm not thinking about it. I yeah. I've unfortunately, worked in, I've worked in Blu-ray shipping. I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's Shout Factory can be a little slow. Uh, you know, if they got overwhelmed. It's totally fine. Yeah, just don't support Amazon. Just keep going yeah. to to Shout and. To keep supporting them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you, yeah. Uh, number four for you? My number four is um, this is probably the least pure horror movie I watched this month that I'm counting as a horror movie, but it's a great Halloween movie because it is set on Halloween and it is probably, it's, I mean, it is a horror comedy with a lot of emphasis on the comedy. It's Arsenic and Old Lace. The Frank mm. Capra movie. Have you seen Arsenic and Old Lace? No, I had no idea that was a Halloween-centric movie, it, but it I love Frank Capra. quite literally set on Halloween. Um, wow. Uh, it's my yeah. mind a bit. The thing about Arsenic and Old Lace, and I guess this is like kind of a spoiler. Uh, it's a spoiler in that the first 15 minutes like act as a misdirection. So I guess maybe skip ahead a bit if you really want to like fall from the misdirection. But the first mm. 15 minutes of Arsenic and Old Lace are Cary Grant is a famous, uh, a famous like calmness and author. He's, he's, his big thing is that he's anti-marriage. Mm. Like he's, he's kind of gone to fame by like writing a, a book and a series of columns that argue that, you know, marriage is an outdated thing and that men and women should be free to just like sow their oats and, and you know, live fun lives as bachelors. Except then he falls for these his childhood sweetheart and marries her in secret. So for the first 15 minutes, you think the tension of this movie is going to be, oh, no, this like like very much a screwball comedy. Like, oh, this guy yeah. who thought he was going to be like a swinging bachelor for all his life has gotten locked down. And then he has been somewhat raised by his old batty aunts Mm. in Brooklyn. Uh, And she grew up next door and he, they go back to Brooklyn to basically pack up and get ready to go to Niagara Falls to his honeymoon. And Cary Grant's looking for his stuff and he finds a corpse shoved Mm. into like a box. And he quickly realizes (laughs) that his kindly old aunts are serial killers. Oh my God. They've been taking that they they take in. This is vaguely set in the Depression. Yeah, uh, he sh- Capra shot this in for, in forty two, right before he went off to the war. Uh, it did mm. not come out till forty four because the play was such a hit that mm. 
they 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 had to keep it until it closed on Broadway. Um, but his aunts had been taking in hobos, uh, giving them a nice meal and then poisoning them because they feel that like they're bringing peace to dangerous men. So the movie becomes this like <laughs> batshit manic farce where Cary Grant is trying to figure out how to handle this and to keep his good name safe <laughs> with also the the intrusion of his older brother who is also a serial killer but much more of like a brutal one played by Raymond Massey who mm-hmm. is made up to mm-hmm. look like Boris Karloff who played the role on stage and explicitly has gotten plastic surgery to look like Boris Karloff and it becomes wow. this weird manic thing where everyone's killing everyone else and Grant <laughs> quietly one of the best like beleaguered straight men I think in studio era Hollywood is just running around this house trying to put out all these fires and figure out what he's doing it's such a manic movie like I said it's it's very much a comedy it doesn't really have that many scares there are multiple serial killers in it Peter Laurie's in it uh, but it's just a good like Halloween, you know, the wind whistling through the leaves, uh, you know, a, a mm-hmm. good watch, I think. First of all, that's a wild comment on the Great Depression, as Capra does, but not. It's yeah. <laughs> that is so that's like if bringing a baby somehow inserted like a serial killer subplot. It really I does feel like it. that. That is yeah. amazing. I had no idea. I always saw the cover of this movie and assumed it was like, oh, it's another it happened one night or, you know, no. Capra. We have Capra is way more interesting than I give him credit for. And I love Capra, but that is that is an absurd direction. He took that movie in. Well, he did, it. it wasn't him, to be clear. It was based on a very popular play. Right, right, right. Okay. He, uh, he shot it kind of quick and dirty um, because he wanted a guaranteed hit before he yeah, went off to yeah. join the army. Uh, which is why it's kind of ironic that it sat on the shelf for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be clear, it does have, you can tell it was based on a play. You can tell it was kind of knocked out quick. It's very stagey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's mostly set in one, in like one big room at the base of a house uh, with people entering and exiting. Um, but it's got this really great stuff. Lori is like maybe giving his best performance in this. He's so funny. Wow. Grant is yeah. is next level. It's just, I don't know. It's just a good, it's a good watch. It's a good time. I know Criterion just like last week put it out on blue. So I'm probably gonna pick that up in the sale. I might blind buy this movie now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's out yeah. there. Uh, give it a watch. If if you like Capra comedy, if you like something like it happened one night, um, if you like Grant doing comedy. Um, a movie this that's really reminded me of it's not quite it's not as good but um sorry arsenic is old lace is not as good but if mm. you've seen uh hawks's i was a male war bride i have not which really gives carrie grant's like a lot of runway to be big and like just like just really flexes comedic muscles this feels very much of a piece with that you should watch i was a male war bride there's so many hawks uh yeah hawks that. is a nightmare Prioritize male war bride. I mean, the monkey business is what I was going to bring up. Like that movie, never seen monkey. Him and Ginger Roberts are so. I love her. It's so like you were saying about the manic energy. It is so propulsive in that movie, and that's 1950s Hawk. Like he was in his mojo too. So like, it is. It's a wild one, and it's it's 
it's might be his biggest budget comedy i believe it, it is big it is there's a lot going on in that movie but I'm, I'm just so happy that you brought a frank capper movie to this discussion i did not i didn't even consider that but that's that's awesome yeah, you know, I, I do this thing that I've been doing for like 10 years where I watch something in the Criterion Collection every week. Mm-hmm. And I definitely watched this one because I knew it was like, I'm running out of horror movies. I was going to say, like, there's not in that the Criterion many horror movies. In- there's more than you'd think. For 10 years, you know. First 10 years. Yeah. And when I first started doing this thing, I don't think I real I really had a good sense that I was going to be doing it that long. So I just watched <laughs> a lot of the horror movies in like the summertime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was a bad idea. Um but I definitely watched this because I was like, oh, I knew it had like some serial killer element. And like I said, is it a horror movie? No, but it's such a Halloween movie. And I think that that's just as important to squeeze into the season. Absolutely. That like autumnal wind blowing spookiness, mm-hmm. like kind of spooky, scary fun of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it takes place in Brooklyn, right? So there's it takes like place a- in Brooklyn. That is- it takes place in Brooklyn and it's a real like. Brooklyn is like the middle of nowhere provincial oddity thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is like, I think a cultural thing that has been lost, but you know, honestly, like as late as the late nineties, there's that joke about moving to Brooklyn and you've got mail is the same as moving across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, yeah, this is a very like Brooklyn is a strange no man's land where everyone's kind of insane type of movie because why would you That's live in awesome. brooklyn when you can live in manhattan right 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 man yeah i i've got i've got the capra uh fiend again i want to watch all of his yeah. films again. you'd yeah give this one give this one a watch this is one of his best movies I think. wow wow okay yeah well you found footage to capra so yeah i'm so in awe uh i'm gonna okay but i'm in the 90s now man i'm gonna sure. i'm gonna i'm gonna go across seas to france I was talking Ooh. off mic a little about French. Uh, I love French extremity and French French horror movement. Um, I don't know when it kicked off. Do you know? Like, when did the French um, start making really it, reverse horror? Like 2001. Okay. You have, oh. you have Bismois and you have yeah. Trouble Every Day. Right, right, right. Um, the Claire Denise. Obviously, those yeah. are a bit artier, but I think yeah. most people cite that as the beginning. And okay. then uh, High Tension. In like 2002, yeah. I want to say high tension really popularized it more. Really, right? like, like those, pops the yeah, sense yeah. of like French. French is the new, mm-hmm. new splatterfest. Mm-hmm. So maybe then I'm speaking out of turn. Maybe mm-hmm. this doesn't count because this is 1990. Um, but Baby Blood, have you seen Baby Blood? <laughs> Love yeah. Baby Blood. Baby Blood. I almost is, cracked open my blue, but I didn't get around to it this month. It rules and kind of goes with the theme of a lot of French horror movies, which is pregnancy scare mm-hmm. and the the horror that comes along with molding a human being in your body and I, I, i'm sure there's a lot of very annoying uh uh people that compare this like to to Tan and inside which is a terrific film but um baby blood is so first of all it takes place over the course of nine months it's, it's like an 82 minute movie and it it feels like the scope is massive and even though we're, it's very grounded, we're following just this woman as she sort of feasts on other men's blood, which already it, it is a major sell. Just just capturing dudes, eating them to feed her unborn fetus, which is great. But also the fetus talks to her in this amazing <laughs> sort of craggly, like cigarette smoking voice in her fetus, which is amazing. Um there's so much I love about this movie. Just the grittiness of it, like how the handheld 
cinematography is incredible um but would my biggest question like would you categorize this as french extremity horror because it is it's extremely gory and upsetting i wouldn't okay because of the time thing yeah is it is it a forebearer i think clearly yeah 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 um i think clearly it's it's kind of a thing you're like you know i I would i would be not shocked in the least if morian bastillo said it was an influence on inside yeah, um, just because yeah, yeah. Of that primal sense of like pregnancy is something almost unbearably grotesque <laughs> to it. That this is inverted. Um, it's just like one of the nastiest movies ever. It is incredible. There's a scene in the kitchen. Nauseating. Do you know? Do you remember the scene in the kitchen? Um, I haven't seen this in like ten years. But, it's been a decade, but yeah. there's oh. a scene where she she, <laughs> she it feels like straight out of like a frank head and movie or something where every, people are continually yes. knocking on her door and she just keeps letting people in and just murders them until there's like a yes. stack of three bodies in her kitchen and eventually she just le- i think someone finally finds the bodies and she just runs out and it's it's a mix of just complete gore but also like hilarious because of how the movie's really frenetic like really like so much happens it's almost exhaustive um but, but yeah, like I, we were talking about the blob effects. The effects in this movie are pretty top notch for being. I'm, I'm not really familiar with the director, but this this felt pretty bare bones overall. My knowledge, he never really did anything else of note. Not really. I, he there, yeah. did you know? Okay, did you know there was a sequel that came out to this movie ten years after with the I same did not the same lead actress? Yeah, Lady Baby Blood. Bl- oh my god! Let me get the ex- Lady Blood. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I have it right here. Oh my god, that's probably awful. It is probably horrendous, and I'm surprised. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it too. And I'm su- <laughs> the lead actress is t- terrific in the movie. I'm shocked she came back. That movie is such a definitive ending too. Like I don't. Yeah. See oh my god, it. it's so. It, yeah, I was like, how do you make a sequel to that? Wow, yeah. she's only made the, like those two movies in one other movie that she made the before Baby Blood that she has a very small <laughs> role in. Yeah, I, I've had Baby Blood on disc. I, like I said, I watched it, not probably out of decade, like seven years ago, eight years ago. Okay. I've had it on disc for probably like a year and a half now, and I just have it. I'm, I I can watch some fucked up shit. I have not had the stomach to put Baby Blood back <laughs> in. And I do think it's a great movie. It's just so gross. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and if- I think you're right in, in, I think, segmenting it with both new French extremity. And I was also going to say, of saying like something like Hen and Lauder mm-hmm. or something like Usna or Gordon, I think that it's, it's as much responding to those guys and this sense of like almost comically exaggerated splatter punk on screens. Yes. Yes. But it's not, at least, in, I mean, you might disagree. I don't remember it being funny. You, you seem to think it was very funny. I remember it being like kind of like dreamlike and intense. Do you remember the she goes on this she goes on a bus with a bunch of rugby yes. dudes? Yes. And the, the bus driver gets sort of like his face gets completely covered by the, the yes. newborn monster, yes. whatever it is. I don't know. I, I, was, I should rewatch it and, and, and think about it as something funny. I don't know. Like I said, it's been it's been too long. I have the disc. Maybe I'll watch it. I don't know. I'll watch a, it soon. Yeah, the gore aspect is not what made me laugh. It's sort of yeah. just the I mean <laughs> There's such an impending doom aspect of this movie too, where it's like she, the thing about pregnancy movies like that is, is like there's 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 an end point. There's like a ticking yeah. time bomb for God knows what's gonna happen. And then I think she, 
her decision making becomes a little bit skewed because of that and she does so many rash things and treats everyone she meets like utter shit so i just i find that hilarious i find hen and lauder funny too i don't know like hen and lauder's hen and lauder's hilarious it just felt like the french version of that okay so i was i was i've been in that mindset man i don't know i've no no no. i mean i like i said it's been very long i should Mm -hmm. i should give it a rewatch and i'll I'll think about that when i rewatch it okay um but yeah i mean what other uh i know this isn't technically french extremity but do you have any other like recommendations in that genre of like the splatter stuff mm-hmm. i mean like i said like i think watch hand and lauder i think i think people like kind of ignore brian usna in do a not way ignore brian usna i do, watch but the- do not ignore brian usna not, all his stuff's not. really exciting even the stuff that looks like it's going to be like dog shit the dentist like something like the dentist the is, dentist. The dentist is incredible by the way, I, I rewatched Tales from the Hood last night, and he is in one of the segments. Oh, my God. Yes. I haven't seen Tales from the Hood. A, a great movie, to be clear. I've not seen that in forever. For sure. It, it, it was an upsetting rewatch, I got to say. Um, That's a, that is a movie that is way <laughs> darker than you think it's going to be. Yeah. Than most any. I, I love that movie. Most any horror uh, if you want, Yeah. Then I'm going to say this. If you want good splatter, Terrifier 2 <laughs> in theaters now. It's good. Oh dear! Is that your next? Uh, is that your no, next no, 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 no. Like I said, no new releases. Uh, I will say that right, I do right, think right. Terrifier Two is quite good and also quite mm-hmm. fun. And I find Damien Leone's earlier movies to be uh, misogynistic and evil, <laughs> yeah, uh, and hateful <laughs> movies. And this movie, if if you were like me and you watched Terrifier or All Eve and you were like, "This dude, there's something wrong with this guy," uh, Terrifier Two shakes that. Terrifier 2 has shaken that like sense of evil and sadism while ramping up the gore somehow. And I'm not well, saying it's like some beautiful feminist text. It's not. It's just a splatter movie, but it's not vile the way his other stuff was. Okay. Uh, that's my, my pro Terrifier 2. It might upset you to know that it comes out in VOD November 1st and I might just watch it. On oh, that's fine. That's fine. You know, I I definitely will say I saw it with a bunch of teenagers who had definitely snuck in, and that was cool. <laughs> that's really cool. That's, that's, that, that that's what I want to do. That's, yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Down down the row for me, there were definitely like three 15-year-olds who were sharing two seats between them, <laughs> like piled up on top of each other. <laughs> so your, like, theater, oh, your theater was full up then? My Just, theater was full. That's exciting. That's, yeah. that, that's a fun crowd. Like, like three weeks into its release, and like clearly, clearly at the point where this had broken containment from, you know, people who knew about Damian Leone beforehand to just the youths who, and it, I don't know. It's nice to know that like the, the teens are going to get their like gross, morally irresponsible movie, you know, as, as, cause we both grew up in like the, the torture porn era. Right. Yeah. 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 It, it's just nice to know that the, the, they, they have the opportunity to like do that. Like we did. I don't know. It, it makes me feel good. Which is weird. The terrifier too makes me feel good. Um, I miss October's when subsequent Saw movies were being released. Yeah, we you saw that. No, Tobin Bell's coming back for Saw Ten, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing it's, made. Me, that's the happiest news I've heard in a, all year, probably. We know who's directing Saw Ten. I actually don't. Hold Not on, Chris Rock, and I hope Chris Rock didn't direct the last one. He did, didn't he? No, he, he wrote, wrote it. it. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. It was. 
uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm blanking on his name. The guy who made Saw 2, 3, and 4. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Repo. The Devil's Carnival and Repogenic Opera. A good director who I like. No, this is Kevin Gruder who did the last three Saws. He did, Saw and, six. And did you do Saw 6? He or did 6, that? 7, and 8. Daryl and Bowsman is what we were thinking. Yeah, Darren, Darren Bowsman did Spiral. You're right. Um, I don't know why I thought Chris Rock. Kevin Gruder edited all the Saw movies, starting including the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he directed six, seven, and then a couple other movies. And this is kind of notable because um, he directed seven, but apparently seven was like a really bad experience. Yeah, like this tell. is the scuttle, but I've heard that like he didn't really get to make the movie he wanted to make, and Lionsgate really interfered. And like maybe took it away from him. So it's I think it's really interesting that he's coming back after all that. Yeah, I mean six might be my favorite. Six of the is franchise. the best one. Absolutely. Easily. Six six saw six is the best one. It wasn't critically the most successful, right? That's maybe no. why seven was meddled with so heavily. Because- maybe. Yeah, it's also they really wanted it to be the last one. Seven's the only one that's bad. Seven is like the only one that's in, in real poor taste, in my opinion. Like yeah. they're the torture is like absolutely just punishing and not as it doesn't have the excitement that the other ones do. It's just, it just, it's so it's like kind of incoherent. Yeah. And, and I'm saying this is someone I like spiral. I like Jigsaw. good too. Yeah. Jigsaw rules. That's the best. That's the best oh, third act sorry. of all the films. Right? I will say this. I forgot. This was also, I knew there was a bit of this. I was, I was, um, misremembering he did kind of have a bad experience on it but i don't think it was so much that they were interfering as he didn't have enough time to work like he was kind of stepping into a movie this is the big one he was supposed to do paranormal activity too and lionsgate lionsgate pulled like a contractual trick Mm -hmm. and like forced him to come into a movie that was already fairly well into pre-production so So he he basically he was Legally Sorry. forced to direct Saw 3D after someone else had already started working on Saw 3D. Mm. He would have had two movies in October then, right? If he did, he Paranormal didn't do two. Paranormal Activity. Two. If he would have, yeah. Well, he was he. Yeah. We couldn't have done both of them. Yeah, that's why <laughs> that's they true. they pulled him. They mm. had hired. They had hired somebody else. They were working on it. They weren't liking it. They fired that guy. They forced Gritter back. He basically had to like, and it was just a bad shoot after that. And like, you know, you never want to step onto somebody else's movie. Absolutely. You not. can't really do anything. So never. Um, yeah. So I know he, he has said that that was a bad experience for him. I apologize for misremembering the details. That's okay. There. That's all right. No. Tobin Bell. Do you think he's, he's returning? Pro- I'm hoping it's just flashbacks. It's yeah. I was going to say like, it must be. Not it's probably a pretty minuscule role overall because that's yeah. unless it's a reboot, unless it's a, a prequel yeah. of some sort, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, my number three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. My number three is Dream Demon, Dream uh, directed Demon. by Harley Cokeless, who seems to mostly just be like a studio hack. After it. it's from 1988. Um, it's kind of this like British riff on Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, it's about it's about a woman like a posh upper class British woman who is about to marry like a semi-famous war hero and she starts having these like 
incredibly upsetting and gory nightmares. And she kind of she kind of weirdly connects with an American tourist who feels drawn to the house that she's just moved into. And the two of them try to like solve this mystery of like what's going on in her dreams and why her dreams starting to like affect the real world. And like, this is one of those movies that's too long at 86 minutes, Mm. uh, which is not great. It has a pretty obvious twist that you're like sitting there waiting for the movie to get to. But these dream sequences are so gory and disturbing and just the, the effects are incredible. And it's just such a weird, odd watch of a Mm. movie. Uh, like I said, as this thing that like has like kind of light Hellraiser vibes to it in that sense of like this like quiet rot in these old English houses. Uh, one of Timothy Spall's first performances, I believe. It's wow. a few years before Life is Sweet. So Mike Lee has not yet established himself or Tim Spall. But Tim Spall plays like a tabloid journalist who's stalking this woman. Um yeah, I don't know if you if you can vibe with something that's like semi incoherent and mm-hmm. oddly paced, but has these like really just striking moments of terror. Uh, I really think this one's special. It's on the Criterion Channel right now. Uh, they oh, stuck cool. it in, I believe, is their like '80s horror block, which is really good, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, their se- their '70s horror block was kind of whatever. It was kind of obvious. Their '80s horror block is like all these. It's 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 the stuff you'd expect, but it's also weird, interesting things. This is there. There's an Arrow Blu-ray. The transfer looks great. Um, mm. Yeah, I think this is a fun, weird. Um, it stars Gemma Redgrave, who's like Vanessa's cousin. I wanted to say. She's of the, the Redgrave family. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, not Vanessa's cousin. Um, oh, my God. Liam Neeson's wife. Um, yeah. Patty Hearst. Uh, Patty uh, Hearst. Patty Hearst. Patty Hearst. There you go. Natasha Richardson. Natasha Richardson's cousin. Vanessa's up there somewhere. Okay. Uh, um, but it's a very British movie. <laughs> I like I like dream stuff. I like nightmares. This movie starts with her, like, slapping a dude and decapitating him. And just a torrent of blood pouring out of his yes, neck. Yes. Like it's not, it's not like stagey art horror. It's, it's like an intense, like nightmare logic movie. Mm-hmm. That makes me so happy that Timothy Spall's in that. By the way, like oh, one yeah, of the most. Like British, I know he's your guy. He's my guy. Mike Lee. Life is Sweet is one of my favorite films ever. You and told me to watch that years ago, and I just did. I really? To it. Oh yeah. I'm I'm so happy. I've been, I've been championing it for so long we were um, all in that group chat that one time and we all made like lists for everyone else that was one of them you put that on for me and i just oh, never got around i didn't I'm, get around to most of those movies i'm so i'm so proud of myself uh, like least one of my guys and, yeah and, um, i saw naked for the first time earlier this year that movie's extraordinary yeah, life is sweet yeah. is very good yeah uh, it, it's such an experiential movie you know i don't really want to say too much about it Hmm. I mean, I was looking at that filmmaker's career post that movie. It's pretty bizarre. Like he did a movie with Tommy Lee Jones and Little ha- Linda Hamilton that I saw when yeah. I was a lot younger, and it is straight just genre trash. And he was he kind of kind of what we were saying about the um, what's it, the Blob director Chuck Russell yeah. kind of just veered off into just a really weird kind of working with stars and making trash movies sort of sort of route but yeah i w- like this guy did like 
one of the uh, one of the, the the TV movies that turns into the Kevin Sorbo Hercules TV show. Like he's <laughs> he's a right. real like like journeyman type. Mm-hmm. And this really does feel like let's do a British Nightmare on Elm Street in a way. Yeah, uh, not that to- there's like a killer in haunting the dreams, but that. Sure dreaming is the source the sense of like horrific dreams that impact reality and look that's that's one of my favorite sub sub genres of horror so yeah i think this one's really fun yeah i really enjoyed it i will seek it out i would i want to see the arrow because i'm sure that transfer is i believe it's the transfer that's on the criterion channel right now so okay cool and it looks it just looks it looks great Cool. I would I would be shocked if there were two good transfers of this movie floating around. Is all I'm gonna say. Okay. I don't know for yeah. certain, but you right. Yeah, Arrow does a fantastic job usually. Great um, company. Great company. Um, my number two, uh, sort of a pun, uh, on on my number two because it's P two, which I requested <laughs> Cole to watch. Um, this is such a me movie that I would have adored when I was thirteen. Because there's there's uh just the survival horror is something I really would go for back in the day. Maybe it was my developing brain, the, you know, the, the simplicity of that, you know, because it's comforting. I don't know. It's it's like uh, Alexander Aja co-wrote this film um, with Frank Calfoon. Is the director? I, so. I, I believe so. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't he is. I think that's how you say his name. I don't want to butcher a French name, you know. So I don't. I, he, but he went on to do Maniac, which is I love um, the the remake of Maniac with Elijah Wood, which is a very inventive horror film in my opinion. But this was his, I believe, his debut. Alexander Aja, who, whom I love, who we we mentioned um, French Extremity, and he did High Tension, and this movie. Um, very simple premise about just this high strung businesswoman gets trapped in a parking garage with Wes Bentley. And that's the movie. And he's a stalkerish, lonely incel man. And just see, and like you were saying off mic, I think you said it wasn't what you expected because it's much more of their duality and their um, uh, kind of like the geography of this entire um, parking garage and parking structure, which it sounds really ridiculous, but I think that I think that's a, just a really great, un you know lesser seen location for a horror film. Um, I don't know. I, I think we all get freaked out by parking structures. Yeah, I know very I much do. So. Um, yeah, I think the thing that like because I mean this is I remember when this movie came out. I never seen it. I watched it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it as much. I like it as much as you do. Um, I think the the first half is is kind of like a slow burn torture movie. Yeah. And then it shifts into this like cat and mouse survival thing. And that second half didn't really click so much for me. But I was gonna say, like, this movie came out 15 years ago. I remember when it came out. I I don't know why, but I was just struck by how violent it was. And I probably mm-hmm. should have assumed that because I've seen other Frank Calhoun movies and I've seen other Aja movies. Right. But I, right. I think I just assumed that this was kind of like a semi-tepid, like more thriller-esque, you know, studio movie. And it's not like no, it's not like wall-to-wall gore, it, it, but but when it gets bloody, it's it's nasty and it's mean, and it really mm-hmm. does feel like that 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 even if it's only like a quart, like 25% mm-hmm. 
of that French tension. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seeping through. Uh, it really does. It feels like an American response to the new French extremity mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think, I think sometimes people say like hostile is, but hostile is such sure. a different energy to it. Yeah. And yeah, this, yeah. this feels new French extremity. I will say though, um, not to, to, to be a bit of a negative Nancy. And this is just something I thought okay. That's okay. as I was watching this movie, because it's something else I thought when I was watching terrifier too, um, is there's something very grotesque, I think, about the ways that both Terrifier 2 and P2 go out of their way to put their lead actress in an outfit that shows off a lot of cleavage. Because mm-hmm. uh, in this case, the stalker changes her from like business wear to like a very low cut party dress. Mm-hmm. And it's just a cheap way to get some sex into the movie as she's like crawling around this garage and getting beaten. And Terrifier 2 does the same thing. Yeah where it puts its lead in this in- monumentally skimpy uh, Halloween costume for its entire second half. And like, I, I, I am by no means, there, there's definitely a place for like sex and sexuality and eroticism and horror, but P2 is not an erotic movie. It, no. it feels so pointed that like, I don't know if, if it was something sleazier, if it was like a character was dressed like this and like the new Hellraiser, well, it, uh, in a world where the new Hellraiser was also a more erotic film, which it's not, um, mm. I think that's his big weakness. Um, I would be like, sure, but in something that's just about the brutality, it just feels cheap to me. I don't know. Just sure, a thought I had. Sure. Also, but a good movie. A, a movie yeah. I definitely like. Great to see Wes Bentley like getting having to just a, be a creep. The greatest time ball. of his life in a movie. Yeah, he was he was having a ball. Have no, you I, ever I, listened? Have you listened to those really long Empire podcast interviews with Christopher McQuarrie? No, I've been told I remember, to. Because Chris, because Wes Bentley shows up for like two minutes yeah, at the end of MI7. Fallout. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, I remember they asked him, like, why would you cast Wes Bentley? Isn't it kind of confusing <laughs> to, to have someone that big, even if he's not a huge star, someone that big show up for a space with mm. a cameo? at the, the most tense part of your movie. And McQuarrie said something that has always stuck with me whenever I think about Wes Bentley, which is that character has inc- very little screen time. And we shot, we basically had a morning to shoot his scenes, but everything that character says and reacts in every shot he's in is incredibly important for the arc. And you need yeah. Wes, you need someone like Wes Bentley who, you know, can pull it off in two seconds. And that's all I ever think of whenever I think of Wes Bentley. And it's true. He's like a uh, quietly one of our best working character <laughs> actors. And he's incredible in this thing. He he's is so yeah, scary. Yeah. Look, I, I'll defend P2 a little bit here. Not, and I, I, liked I don't, it. I, I don't I, love I certainly the movie. Liked it. Yeah. It mostly my stance and why I even brought it up in the first place. Cause it's downright like more of a forgettable one that I watched this month, but it, it's the factor of just the framing device, just the, a cat and mouse thriller is so cut and dry and like very easy to produce. It's such an easily marketable thing. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's always been on my list because I just knew it'd be a comforting watch. Cause I just, I just it's love, good. I just love that subgenre of horror. And yeah. That's no, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. And that's kind of how I felt watching it yesterday. Definitely. Yeah. And two people just, flex their muscle i don't know the lead actress as well rachel nichols but she i i do not i mean i've seen her in things i believe she's more mostly a tv actress 
Sure. That, um, that, that makes sense. And I don't know. I it's, do not watch much contemporary TV. It looks yeah, like she was yeah. on Criminal Minds and Continuum. Um, <laughs> there you go. But I, I've certainly seen her in movies. I'm sure everyone has. She's in the Star Trek mm-hmm. movies. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, like this felt like a movie I would rent from Blockbuster in like 2007. Well, it literally and, is. <laughs> and yeah. And would just have an absolute ball you know, watching this late at night. So that it kind of fit into that. A hundred, a hundred percent. It fit into what we were saying earlier. So I just thought I had to yeah. bring it up. And, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the cover is just beautiful in my opinion. I, don't, I just, I just love to see a woman with an ax and just sort of the title. The title is a little lazily It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be honest, but well, it's the, it's the level of the, it's the level garage. that there's, it I think it's to. a good. I think it's a good title. It's fun. It's. Fun. I think it's just misleading because people would just immediately question what they're talking about. But I yeah, I think you see it all over the movie. I think it makes sense. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that. That's number two. P P two. It's very fitting. Uh, you're on two, right? Man, yeah. my number two. Uh, take this all the way back to the '30s. It's uh, yes. one of, I believe, technically the last pre-code films. Uh, it's Edgar Ulmer's The Black Cat. Oh, I love Ulmer so much. Yeah. Have you seen this one? Not The Black Cat, no. This no. is, I believe, the first Karloff Lugosi collab. Oh, nice. nice. Um, it's ostensibly based on uh, the Edgar Allan Poe short story, The Black Cat. It yeah. is not. It is not in any way based on that. What it really is, is like a nightmarish uh, riff on Wales, the old dark house uh, where two people get stranded in this like decrepit mansion overseen by Boris Karloff, who's like an acclaimed architect who maybe did some war crimes in World War One, mm-hmm. and is also definitely a Satanist who is like <laughs> trying to do evil things and has like a chamber full of women he has preserved in like like early like like magical sleep, basically to use alternatively as sex slaves and as sacrifices. And Lugosi is this like doctor who's come to like get revenge on him both for stealing his wife and for uh and for like doing war crimes to Lugosi it is kind of incoherent I'm not gonna lie uh but it's like an hour long it's so intense it's way more graphic and violent like you can see them like this last flash of just like pure just grotesque you know tasteless horror of you for universal right mm. before the code kind of clamps them all down this and is pre-coded is, this is a pre-coded yeah one. but this is 34 yeah. so this has got to be the last ones to yeah the yeah for sure um, but there's like i mean there is shit that happens in this movie that like even if it's just suggested um the climax of this movie is mind-blowing to see in something from the 30s and it's great it's probably lugosi's best performance i think wow um it does have a total wet blanket of a lead couple who are mostly just there to watch all these depravities. Mm. Uh, but 
it's 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 one of Ulmer's best movies and it's one of the best movies of the early pre-code universal horror cycle amazing uh, and-, and if you want something short and sweet because it's an hour long yeah um I, I just i was blown away by this thing i was gonna say because Ulmer might be the king of 60 minute movies because yeah. he, he directed detour which is a classic another one of the best of that decade and yeah, detours later detours in the 40s it's the but, 40s yeah, yeah yeah um but this but yeah. is is there any relation to the i know there's so many iterations of the black cats so i've always been sort of daunted because i know Fulci did one i mean i think everyone yeah. is loosely pulling from this poe short from story. the poe short yeah but this one in particular is no association whatsoever to the poe short story okay okay um black cats do factor in to the plot <laughs> i i kind of don't want to say how because it's not the it's not so much that it's a particularly plot relevant thing as it is clearly something they put in the movie to justify calling it the black cat but it's also depraved mm. it's like it's it's shockingly grotesque the the cat stuff that happens in this movie i don't know this movie is just, just like satanic fever dream of like how much can we get through with the contemporary censors at the time right uh, it's, that's a lot uh, of fun it's yeah. so much fun yeah yeah and recommended for everyone absolutely and Ulmer is such a great filmmaker he's such a great yeah he's such a great and um silly question but to rank the cat movies <laughs> would you choose that <laughs> I don't or just i've seen enough of them what about Jack Turnier's Cat People? An all-time uh, classic. Cat People's better. Cat People is okay. a, a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. Like I love uh Cat People. This yeah. movie's terrific. Very few movies are as good as Cat People. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. I just no. nothing beats it. Jack Turnier. Um uh the Schrader uh that movie's is it is it a loose remake off Cat People? Have you seen the Schrader version? Yeah, I've seen it yeah. twice. I don't think it's very good. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it is a loose remake of Cat People that is very interested in doing its own thing and also really feels the need to like stop dead in its tracks and do like literal recreations of the most famous stuff from the original mm-hmm. every so often. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not huge on the Schrader cat people. Nasaza Kinski is basically a a stand-in for what's her fate name? Uh, uh, Simone Simone. Simone Simone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the in the direct analogy, but the the Schrader cat people is more interested in the like alluded to mythology that this is mm-hmm. like a genetic thing that everyone from her race has. Yeah. And it's much more of a like mating and killing type thing. Okay. It's it's, it's a strange movie. I don't think it works. Uh, he's your guy, though. I'm, I'm shocked. He's, he's uh, not my guy. I like Paul Schrader. He's not my guy. <laughs> I don't know if you watch every. I think you watch. You watch him every Sunday, don't you? I'm I'm working my way through every Paul Schrader movie. Though I've what? taken the I've taken out Halloween off. Oh, but what's on tap for the next Tuesday or next Sunday? Uh, I got to do Affliction, which is such a boring movie. <laughs> I don't like Affliction. I don't. Like I haven't seen Affliction yet, but it's boring. I've heard Nolte's spectacular in it. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, for a Schrader movie, it's like yeah. you know, Light Sleeper is his best movie. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, no, Light I, don't know, I thought you'd say Card Counter. You know, but. Card Counter is also incredible. <laughs> what's uh, what's your number one? I might. I know. Okay, so we mentioned Alice Sweet Alice. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know if I have anything to really add. I, I'm sorry I made you watch that movie, but I. Oh I no, it's fine. I really don't know if I have any. If, unless you have any, any threads you want to go on about that movie, I don't really. Have I don't anything. really think Alice Sweet Alice is all that good. You know, it's it's. It doesn't really click for me. I think Paula Shepard's incredible in it. Absolutely. I don't know. I mean, do you think it's exploitative of Italian horror? Is that where the bad taste comes in, or you just think it's no? I just don't boring? think it's very good. I just think it's kind of boring. Okay. I think you can get a better version of that coming out of Italy from like any C lister. It's kind of like an inert American Jallo that has a great lead performance, but can't really square the circle with the Catholicism stuff. See, that's, that's my take on it. I know a lot of people really respond well to it. I did, and yeah. I may, I saw it on the big screen in thirty five. So maybe that's that why might, they, that might help because the the print is gorgeous and see it's like a you're just transported to the seventies and seeing those Catholic allegories. You're like, this is so inspired by all these movies I love. So it was kind of like I don't know. I I really responded to it, but that's really all I have to say. So I'm gonna just pass. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go for. I, I really I'm going back. I'm going back to the 80s, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> so this was I always pick a movie that is just downright embarrassing that I haven't seen yet in October. And that I mean, you you could have said Eaten Alive or uh, other ones like The Blob, but mm. it was Child's Play, the original Child's what? Play I had never oh. seen before. I had seen like bits and pieces growing up, of course, like you see it on AMC or whatever. I like the sequels and stuff. And embarrassingly, I think I've seen Seed of Chucky in its entirety, but never the original um, Tom Holland movie. Um, But it is a perfect, not only a perfect serial killer uh, slasher film, but I think just a perfect Chicago family drama, which was, I was shocked by Chicago movie. It is a fantastic show. I like (laughs) might be the best, movie shot in chicago in the 80s in my opinion um i know there's there's a lot of contenders there but there is so it captures the grimy winter feel that i think is so prevalent when you, if you, you you know you lived in chicago for many years mm-hmm. it's that it's it's that sleety wet disgusting feel of it all and that's just like that's just a cherry on top of this movie because it is um you love this film right i think you oh it's, it's one of my favorites it's, it's one of your movie. yeah I love Tom Holland, who also made um, Fright, shit, Night. Uh, Fright Night. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif is like quietly maybe my favorite actor. Chris Sarandon quietly also one of my favorite actors. <laughs> nice. Um, it's so legitimately scary. Is it I is think the thing terrifying. people don't talk uh, is like lost to history with the Chucky movies getting weirder and gayer. And that's all stuff. I also <laughs> really like about the Chucky movies is that they're, they're the gayest horror franchise. Yeah. Um, but I think as much as there's this like irreverence and fun and anarchic spirit to the later ones, I think people just forget just how legitimately bone chilling this goddamn yeah. killer doll movie is. Yeah. And I was, I, I was, just fairly depressed that I didn't watch this movie as a youth because 
the way this the way this family gets manipulated and oh. torn apart by a seemingly like you know not a, on the surface not a really terrifying threat but then as a movie progresses he just toes the line so perfectly of just this emotionality of what's going on but also just so just genuinely upsetting psychologically and of course on the surface with chucky but like but yeah i think a perfect horror movie that doesn't i mean people i've heard i haven't seen the second child's play but some people have had the dubious take that that's better and i just can't see that being a possibility because that's like it's one of the best uh, no no child's play 2 is franchise. fine um and then i think child's play 2 is fine but it's nowhere near as good as the first one and then i think once you hit seed on mm-hmm. so seed curse and cult then you're in this whole other just like off the chain mancini losing his mind just putting every idea he has that that's a completely different beast those those later ones are so much fun though i need to watch the tv show i i'm intrigued by that did you see the it was the remake that came out two years ago i i refuse to see the remake because it it is so shitty to do that to Don Mancini when he's trying to get a TV show off the ground. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He had no involvement, correct? He had no involvement. It was, it's literally one of those things where the rights like coexist, where he has the rights to Chucky, Mm -hmm. but Warner brothers can remake just child's play. Like, I don't think even if that movie was a hit, I don't think they could make a sequel. Um, Mm. But the fact that he, that like, if, if he had been like, I've given up, no one will let me make Chucky stuff. And then someone came with a remake, whatever. But the fact that this was like, he was in development on the TV show that Dorif was involved, that Fiona was involved, that Jennifer Tilly was involved. Like the fact that it's this weird ersatz family of people who like to do the late period Chucky stuff. And then Warner's comes through and is like, we're remaking it with a much higher budget with bigger stars. Um, is just shitty. And I mean, history vindicated yeah. that that movie flopped and that TV show does very well for itself mm-hmm. and everyone really likes it. Um, uh, but even if it had looked good, which it didn't, I just, I found it very grotesque to be doing that mm-hmm. because I think I don't I know if you're saying this, but like Mancini is like this really interesting artist who puts a lot of really interesting stuff into the child's play movies and, you know, makes them very personal and weird and very gay and that that is more interesting to me than the idea of you know chucky as just a sheer icon is you know chucky is mancini's you know vehicle for his stuff and that's why i should really watch the show but that first movie is just next level good next level good yeah and looks incredible i i I totally forgot bill butler shot this film we shot jaws and the conversation which is insane and it looks it just looks fantastic and yeah, all around maybe the highlight of the month for me. And yeah, no, I mean, partly, yeah, I mean, any month, really. <laughs> partly because of the embarrassment that I hadn't seen it in its entirety. And yeah. uh, I, I'm dying to watch the sequels, but also Fright Night because Tom Holland's just a. Uh, Have you seen Fright Night? No. I've Fright seen, Night is I've seen the remake. Like one of the 10 best movies of the 80s in any genre. Really? Truly. As good as Child's Play, better than Child's, better than Child's Play? Holy shit. Yeah, top ten any genre of that decade. Wow, I, uh, I, uh, Fright Night is a very special movie. I can tell. I mean, do you yeah. do you loathe the remake? Do you like the remake? 
I hate the remake. I should rewatch it. I know people <laughs> really like it. I hate it. It's very silly. But maybe I, I just hated it because I was like so protective of the original. And that's a dumb, sure. that's a dumb way to think about things. I mean, that's fine. I'm gonna keep it pure. And I think did. I've I've broken that mold in my brain. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll make Friday night a priority. I'm I'm very uh, Yeah, you'd like it. Yeah. Um but yeah, man, uh I loved it and I I'm I'm glad that you share my enthusiasm for it because not a few people were just kind of sour on the original child's play. Like it didn't age well. It's very of its time, but I hasn't aged a day in my eyes. So um, yeah, that's, that's number one. And uh, uh, yeah. Alice, sweet Alice is one B, I guess. Right. Touched on. So what's yours? Uh, my number one, I watched this like right at the very beginning of the month. Actually, I think I watched this and black cat back to back. So I kind of peaked early. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my number one is uh, evil dead trap. By oh, Toshiharu yes. yeah, yeah, Ikeda. Yeah. Have you seen Evil Dead Trap? No, but I, it looks incredible. Oh, so Evil Evil Dead Trap, Japanese uh, horror movie, um, feels very in place, more so than anything, with the sort of like late jolly that you'd get in the 80s. Yeah. Once like slasher movies are fully entrenched. And like you've got these Italian filmmakers trying to figure out, like, what do we do now? Like, it reminds me of like in a lot of ways. And so, like, in a way, they're still making Jolly, but they're they're getting more gonzo, they're getting more grotesque with it. It becomes less about the purity of the like black gloves and the razor blade, and more about these yeah. like just demented insane images and this feels like that getting filtered into this like japanese riff on something like opera or demons or Mm -hmm. you know all those good late period ones um it's about a tv crew that finds a snuff film and try to go track down the location where the snuff film was shot um, and end up in this like abandoned, I believe it's like an, an, an abandoned American military base um, that they like creep around in. And one by one, this crew gets murdered or kidnapped and put into these like the snuff film setups are very like proto jigsaw things where they're like elaborate mechanical devices that are going to run on their own and like brutally kill people in front of the camera. And it's so it's so interesting because you see this like response to what's coming out of Europe and what's coming out of America in a way that's a slasher movie, but it also so presages a lot of what I think we're going to think of as being key to Japanese horror. And not that it's like mm-hmm. a movie about a curse, but this sense that it takes place in these like desolate, abandoned urban spaces where you never know what's around the corner and Mm -hmm. technology is somehow this sense of sort of evil that, um, that we, that like is inflicting like these mediated forms of violence back onto society. Like you see, like this is, this is not a this is not a ghost story, right? This is, this is a slasher film, but you see 
the roots of what's going to become Ringu or Pulse or the mm-hmm. Juon movies. These like that that's that 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 slow pace that that industrial dread that the technology is the center of evil. This sort of just like stark inexplicable images, but mixed into this Gonzo splatter movie that's so fun and so mm-hmm. manic. And I'm also going to say like. There was an American horror movie that came out somewhat recently that was very weird and very gonzo. And everyone was like, oh, my God, like, what do we do with this? And everyone was like reaching and trying to, like, figure out what the cultural touchstones this movie I'm pointedly not naming is referencing. And I'm going to say this. This movie is clearly lifting every idea it has from Evil Dead Trap. Mm. And I can tell you off mic if you'd like, but I don't want to say it on mic. Um, it's just, oh my God, it's so incredible. A Blu-ray just came out. I'm really excited to get oh, it. Oh, cool. Um, I also watched, I did not like this as much. I know a lot of people do prefer Ring, it. Ringu. Um, I also watched Evil Dead Trap 2. There's a sequel? There are three. There are three, but they're like, they're sequels in name only, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I watched. I watched the first sequel, which which is much more of a ghost story and is much more of a like weird dream logic nightmare thing about a woman wandering a city and like a serial killer maybe hunting her and a ghost trying to warn her. I'm just mentioning that because I quite like this one. Oh, Mm -hmm. speaking of things this Evil Dead Trap does, it's called Evil Dead Trap. I think part of the reason why they called it Evil Dead Trap is because it has like it basically lifts the Raimi cam from Evil Dead. Oh, like POV yeah. shots of the killer are often shot in that like manic thing, but they're doing it differently, obviously. And it very much feels like, oh, is this where Shinya Sukamoto got his jump cut? Are you familiar with Shinya Sukamoto at all? Have you seen Tetsuo the Iron Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, like Shinya Sukamoto's like jump cut POV, like rattling down the street shots. Right. Like, this feels like the natural middle step between Evil Dead Raimi Cam and Shinya Sukamoto's version of that. Oh, that's like, so it cool. Just, yeah. You just see so much of what's going to happen in the next 20 years of Japanese horror in this movie that is also in and of itself just extraordinary and full of horrifying, grotesque murders and beautiful shots. And oh, I love it. Yeah, easily the best thing I saw this month. Yeah, and I am glad you mentioned Pulse and and because what you described it like really reminded me of Kaiushu Kurosawa movies and like clearly an influence. Yeah, Takashi Miike in even in some regards. And yeah. you know it's funny I heard this is about eighty eight. I should stress this, this is nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that predates all of the yeah. That's what I'm saying. We're talking about that's awesome. And like I had heard about that movie funny enough when I saw Alice Sweet Alice. I was sharing a smoke with a stranger. And we just got into Japanese horror and she's like, mm-hmm. by far the most underappreciated and best Japanese horror movies is, is Evil Dead Trap. So uh, it's it's up there. And I'm hoping yeah. I mean, the Blu-ray is from Unearthed Films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to get as much of attention as if it were maybe a more prestigious organization. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's out there. The transfer on Amazon Prime looks really great. I'm really excited to get this disc and look at it and check out the second one. The third one is also, again, a sequel name only. It's by Ikeda, who did not do the second one. Uh, I don't think it's available in the United States. Mm-hmm. It sounds like even more of a dream logic 
pseudo drama <laughs> thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, cool, yeah, man. I uh, mean, this movie is wonderful. Yeah, it sounds. It sounds like my type of shit. Like, yeah, I think you like aggressively. It. So I will. I I will. I will rent that or. Maybe it's on, it's on Prime right now. Oh, it's on Prime for free. Okay. Yeah, that's how Perfect. I watched it. Perfect. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, speaking of you, you were talking about Blu-ray companies. Like, do you do you do you dip into like Severin or do you like yes. the um, Vinegar Syndrome and all that oh, stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah, I have I have stuff from I, I I have a problem. I think I have <laughs> stuff from every big company except probably Unearthed. Uh, see, I haven't heard. They of don't them. love I've Never heard of Unearthed. Like, what have they? Their big thing is real extreme horror. Okay. Okay. Like just pulling up their stuff. Uh, I just found out. I don't know if you've ever heard of the movie, the profane exhibit. No, no. the profane exhibit is like an extreme horror anthology film um, that entered production in uh, 2012. Mm. And never got completed and is now finished and coming out. And wow. one of the directors died three years ago. Uh, two of the directors, if you count the fact that they, they cut Coffin Joe's uh, film from the final release. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like Ruggiero Deodato and Anthony de Blasi and Uwe Boll and Ryan Stevenson, who passed away, unfortunately, who made gutter mm-hmm. balls. Um, but it's just this 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 mythical splatter film that I was like, this is not a real movie mm-hmm. uh, because like for 10 years, it was just never finished. But um, Unearth finished it. Let's see what else. I'm just pulling up their catalog. Mm-hmm. They did the American guinea pig films, you know, the guinea pig movies. No, uh, they put I'm out not. a Serbian film. Oh, OK. They put see. out uh the untold story that Chinese mm-hmm. cannibalism movie. Let's see, yeah, I can get Kong, there. The Chinese, which yeah. is very good. Um, I think they did the Lucifer Valentine movies back in the day, which uh, Lucifer probably not. I don't want to. I don't want to accuse anyone of maybe propping up someone bad, but I think we've all heard Lucifer Valentine stories, and I just heard some bad Lucifer Valentine stories last week. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um. But like I said, they they mostly do real deal, like extreme horror torture stuff. Okay, because like uh, Se- I, Severin yeah. has done like you know they've they've dipped in like Joe D'Amato and yeah people like that, Umberto Lenzi and all those guys. So like that that sounds even more like sort of no, this is like down the rabbit hole, yeah. real real head stuff. Obviously, not everything they've done is like that. I don't think I think Evil Dead Trap is certainly very gory and very violent i don't mm-hmm. think you need to be able to like stomach an august underground or a serbian film yeah to handle this like when i say extreme horror this is not extreme horror extreme horror is a specific you know a very specific thing yeah uh, it is not yeah. all that unearth puts out i would say it is their bread and butter got it and god bless them don't work with luther Lucifer Valentine, shit's out there, bad dude. Allegedly, bad dude. allegedly, I should say. That's all uh, right. But they put out a lot of Ryan Nicholson films. I really like Ryan Nicholson stuff. It was very sad they got. Enough. If you've ever seen Gutterballs, no, um, that's that's an A plus title. Yeah, that movie's rough. <laughs> that movie's brutal. Like that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like Balls. I said, I feel like I feel like every 
all these Blu-ray distributors, like they have their niche, but they'll all, like, it's not like everything Severin puts out is 70s softcore. No. Or it's not like everything Vinegar Syndrome puts out is a direct-to-video movie from the late 80s and early 90s. Mm-hmm. They have their like, exceptions. Like Severin did yeah. Out of the Blue, which was not... Severin did Out of the Blue. Yeah. Which is Severin was going to do uh, Drop Dead Fred, and then they lost the rights, and then Vinegar Syndrome did it for them. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, which is a weird yeah. movie for both those companies to put out, but like, <laughs> Severin just bizarre. put out that the Changeling on 4K. The rumor mm-hmm. I have heard is that David Gregory, who runs uh, yeah, Severin, Severin, loves Drop Dead Fred. <laughs> and Good for him. Yeah. Really just wanted to have it in a nice edition and that the rumor i've heard is that when they lost the rights um that them losing the rights was kind of personal like the rumor i've heard is that universal pulled the rights because they were mad at severance specifically oh, and that the rumor i've heard is that vinegar syndrome then put it out basically as like a show of good faith to be like we're friendly the guys who are very good syndrome, the guys who are Severin are very friendly Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike the guys who run vinegar, some of the guys who run synapse, um, <laughs> but they, they they basically were like, "We know this is important to you. We will put it out for you." Okay, got it. So that's that's what I've heard. That's why because it's a weird movie for both them to have. Yeah, definitely. I love Severin. Definitely. I really need to get Severin's that. great. Yeah, have you gotten their full horror set? No, no, I haven't got any no. Severin sets. I want to get, get the, sets. the sets. The sets. Yeah. I think for Severin, I know they're pricey. But the big expensive Severin box sets are their best releases. Okay, cool. And I think if yeah. you can afford it, they're worth blind buying because there's this like education that you get from how they're programmed. Do they do an annual sale? I, I think Vinegar Syndrome has one. I don't know if Severin does. Vinegar so. Syndrome does Black Friday and have to Black halfway to Black Friday. Severin mm. does Black Friday and sometime in July. Okay. Yeah. Uh, keep an eye out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, um, yeah. Do you want to go on to the game I created for you now? Sure. Yeah. If we can wrap, yeah. Let's let's blow through this though. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We've been going a long time. Um, yeah. I think the the Cole Bradley guarantee is that if I come on your podcast, it's going to be a long episode. We'll we'll hit the three hour mark. Yeah. No, this. Well, we, take, if we're, I don't think I can go for forty five more minutes, but no, no. This should take probably like under thirty twenty to thirty tops. Sounds so good. there's only ten questions. Okay. Um. So basically, you just have to guess. The I movie. love games. I love. I games. I'm very excited. That's why I wanted. To I just looked at in. the clock and I was like, "Oh my god!" Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um. So basically, mm-hmm. you just have to guess the movie. Um. Okay. But so the structure will be: there are four hints that w- can be revealed to you. The first okay. hint is, I will give you the year and the subgenre of said horror movie. Okay. The second is a director-centric hint. The okay. third is actor. And the fourth an actor who's in it or an actor centric hint, an actor who's either in it or related somehow to this film. Um, okay. There's no tricks. There's no trick questions involved. Sure. 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 Um, and the fourth is miscellaneous. Um, so okay. that could, that could is be there any collective logic to how to these 10 movies. They're all horror. They're all but horror. Beyond movies. that. There's no, there's nothing connecting them. You just pick 10. Horror no, movies. I just picked 10 horror movies that okay. would work best for this game. So like, Sounds there's... good. I got you. Okay. 
Um, I think you're, I think you're going to blow through a lot of these, but it wasn't uh, like, it wasn't like, Oh, they're all the same studio or no, 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 no. I I didn't think that deeply. I probably should. No, That's fine. That's fine. I just wanted to know how I should be thinking about. Okay. Okay. So just a reminder. Yeah. Your subgenre director, actor, miscellaneous. So, um, so the first one, yeah. What, 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 what do you want? What hit do you want for that one? Oh, do I only get one for each? No. So, okay. I should have explained you. you, You'll get, you'll reveal the hint. If you get it wrong, you can reveal another one. Okay. If you get it wrong, then the third hint. If you get that oh, wrong, okay. the fourth hint. So it's like yeah. unraveling slowly. Let me let me get your subgenre. Okay, so for the first one is 2011, and okay. the subgenre is fantasy horror. 2011 fantasy horror is it Black Death? It is not. Damn, um, that's a good movie. Chris Smith, yeah. Eddie Redmayne. Oh, uh, Chris Smith rules. Yeah, Chris Smith and, uh, rules. He rules. Um. um and Sean Bean, obviously. That was the first time I saw Eddie Redman in anything. He's really good in that movie. Um, okay, wow. 2011 fantasy horror. And you could reveal fantasy a new a new hint, too, if you want. Horror. Can I get the actors? Whatever the actor thing is. Okay, so the actor hints. Um, so one of the stars of this film is a frequent collaborator with Miss Sofia Coppola. Okay. Lead actress of the film. Yeah, it's not Melancholia. No. Okay, Kirsten Dunst. It's got to be Kiki, right? You said lead actress. I will say it's not Kiki. It's not Kiki? No, no. Who else is a frequent collaborator with Sofia Coppola? Okay, hold on. Let me just run through the Sofia movies. I cannot think of an actress who's in other oh l l fanning in 2011 it's l it's l L. okay yeah yeah. i forgot that she was in the beguiled yeah um l fanning 2011 is it super eight it is not okay give me give me give me director director the director of this film had a film that won a palm door at Cannes some time ago oh she's a very celebrated filmmaker who's sorry you said she or he he won a Palm d'Or. Okay, I thought you said she. I was like, Jane. Oh, no, 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 no. No. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Okay, let me just run through and think who made a movie in 2011. Can I ask, did this actually come out in 2011 or is this a festival 2011, mm, 2012 that's, release? That's a good question. Because I tend to always think of when it came out in the States. Let me Let me do some quick research for that. Okay, you do that while I think to myself, it's not Ruben Osland. It's not. <laughs> it's a 2012. Julia Tacorno. 2012 release date. Okay, it's not Ruben Osland. It's not Julia Tacorno. It's not Bong Joon Ho because he no. did not have an American movie come out before 2013. He's never worked with Bell Fanning. It's not Corieta. We just said it's not Ruben Osland. Is it Ken Loach? Table Ken Loach. It's not Deplas, not Deplashen. Uh, oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. But the guy has Ken Loach made a horror movie before. That's what I was saying. But you know what? He could have. Um, Let me help you out. It, this this Palm Door was way before the time you're thinking. Okay. God, can I get a decade? Uh, can I? I could give you the last hit. Oh no, no, no! It's Twix. Yeah. It's Twix. There it's Twix. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Twix. It's Twix. It's Twix. He won. Two. You should have said he won two. It's Twix. Twix rules. What okay, it? so you're thinking of stuff like Twixt. Yep. Um, I think Twixt maybe didn't actually co- get a proper release until 2013. I might be wrong about that. Um, okay. It's I might 20, be wrong. 
2012 adjacent. God. I should have said. Yeah, no, that's um, fine. That's fine. That's fine. I'm just, I'm just telling you. You are welcome to give me the IMDb year. I'm just telling you how I. Okay, think. that's that's Twix that's how is I, so good. Twix is so great. I, I, I yeah. That that one really yeah. worked for the game too because there's so many different. Oh yeah, no, that's fun. You can make. Oh my god, that's fun. Yeah. Okay. Next movie, uh, year okay. and genre, please. Uh, so we got 1995, and the, the subgenre is fantasy horror again. Again. And I will say this is a very broad fan. It, it yeah, is like uh, one aspect. Are you going off like what IMDb lists, or did you come? It's my personal. Okay. I think uh, you director hints, please. Okay, so the director of this film has also published a comic with Marvel, in addition to numerous other comic strips that he's widely celebrated for. The director. Interesting. It's not Spawn. He didn't direct Spawn. No, I, uh, I McFarlane did not direct Spawn. So no, it's no, not no, Spawn. No. Um, I was just thinking in the mid 90s, published a book, had published a book with Marvel, it would go on to publish a book with Marvel. I believe it was. Oh, shit. I should know that. I, I'm not it's sure. Okay. Oh. Uh, actors, please. Okay, so a lead of this film is also responsible for playing an iteration of one of the most iconic female superheroes of all time, the lead actress. The lead actress, iconic female superheroes. <sighs> this one's a lot more broad, so you, if you have any questions yeah, no, about no. that. I'm, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just thinking. It's not Brie Larson. No. It's not. It's ninety-five. Yeah, I know. It sounds. Is that Brie Larson? <laughs> it's not Gal Gadot. Um, is it Michelle Pfeiffer? No. Okay. Is it whoever played Wonder Woman on the TV show, whose name I'm blanking on right now? No. No iconic female superhero. I need the miscellaneous. Miscellaneous you is stump me. I know this one. But I, I don't, I'm no. not proud of the, the hints I made. for no, this no, one, no, no, no. I'm sure these are great hints. So the miscellaneous is this is the final feature from this filmmaker. And uh, he made uh, only three movies. Is it Lord of Illusion? Yep. Oh, my God. We were Got talking it. about it off. Mic. Yeah, yeah. Which oh, funny my enough. God. Of course, Barker. Definitely. I should have thought Barker doing comics. Mm-hmm. Wait, who's who's the female lead in Lord of Illusion? I'm blank. Famica Jan- Jansen. Famica Jansen. Of course. Who? Of course. And that's I, I wasn't sure if m- most people considered Jean Grey as like. No, no, you're one totally of the most right. I just. Yeah. It's, it's been 10 years since I've seen it. That's, that, those, those were those were actually very good hints. OK, cool. All right. Uh, year great, ends. great, great. Year so ends. the next one, we got 1961. Okay. And this is Supernatural. Is it Nighttime? It is not Nighttime. That, I love Nighttide that film, so though. Good. That is such a good movie. Director? Yeah, please. So the director of this film adapted one of the most celebrated American novels in the year 1974. 74 American novel, and he made a horror movie in 61. Yes. 74, 74, 74, 74. Uh, Actor, please. So the lead actress once starred in two of the most celebrated movies of the 40s, one of which won Best Cinematography at the Oscars in 1947 and is hailed as one of the most visually stunning works of all time in 1947. Is it Moira Shearer? So it's the it's the um it's the innocence. No, it's Deborah Carr. It's the innocence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. You got it. Wait, what? Who directed the innocence? I'm Jack, sorry, Jack Clayton. Who? Oh, did. what? What did Jack Clayton do in '74? He did uh, Great Gatsby. 
Oh, with with uh, Redford. With Redford, yeah. I don't think I knew that he directed that a movie that um, doesn't really exist. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that see that um, was good. That was good. Yeah, in my I, sense. Yeah. Just so you know, the miscellaneous hint was it had a semi-recent Criterion release, which yes, it also had a semi-recent yeah. remake. That's true. That's true. That got too. an F cinema score and is not very good, but I saw I, it because Mackenzie Davis is in it and I bought stock in Mackenzie Davis 10 years ago and I have to support her career because you I have to. Yeah. I, I said she was going to be a big deal. All right. A year and. Yeah. Yeah. Next one. Innocence. Can, great movie. It is a fantastic film. It's incredible. Um, I love all the movies I picked here pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so we got 87 and 87. it's a monster movie. He's having a monster movie, but it's definitely not the blob because no, you, wouldn't, you is, wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. And I'm going to need a director. Um, so the director of this film is widely known to explore gender and racial politics through genre cinema. That could mean anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's going to help once I get it will. Hands. When you realize, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, can I ask a follow-up question? Where is sure. this in this director's career? Early. Early. I won't say what feature, but no, 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 that's fine. Monster movie, 87 gender politics and what? Racial politics, gender and gender and race, man or woman. Uh, Probably a man. Both two or transgender. Oh, the director. I thought you meant what shot. What gender do they explore? Uh, I can't. I I don't want to say that. Okay. You want too much. That's too much. Okay. uh, Actor, please. Uh, Monster movie. 87. Okay, so yeah. one of the supporting actors in this film was part of an ensemble that was released one year earlier in 86 and Ugh. is also considered an iconic monster movie from the 80s. Ugh. I supporting. need a mis- I need a miscellaneous. Okay. The pr- okay, this might give it away. Uh, no, please. The tagline the tagline for this film is Pray for Daylight. Oh my god, it's uh it's near dark. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I, I guess I wouldn't have thought of that as a monster movie. Of course, big yeah, low. Of yeah, yeah. course, the see, see, like I said, I, I said it earlier that hint could mean anything, but it's going to come together. I know. Later. I you know how no, no, hard no, it was. I could not. No, think no, no, about no, 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 no. These are good hints. It's good that I'm yeah. getting it later. I'm just like, no, that was good. Yeah, of course. It is such a broad hint, but Bigelow is so hard to keep. But it, but it clicked. It clicked when you said "Pray for Daylight." I was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, of course. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. All right. A uh, year. This is number five. This is five. Okay. Um, year and so twenty or sorry, two thousand five, and it is a slasher. Is, is it the Devil's Rejects? No, 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 no. Is it Hellbound? Hellbent. Nope. Hellbent. No. Hellbent, the gay movie. That's not very good, unfortunately. Two thousand five, and it is a slasher. A director, please. So the director of this film, and you yep. like it. I like it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I, uh, so the director went on to have a very illustrious career in action cinema, frequently collaborating with two really prominent action stars of our current age. And actor, please. So the lead of this film has worked with directors such as Ryan Coogler and Mark Waters. Coogler and Waters. <laughs> It's a ridiculous. Oh my god, the hit. two great American filmmakers. <laughs> I'm actually probably the biggest Mark Waters fan on the planet. I um, love him. I love. It. I had to. Yeah. Okay, you said lead actor, and you're you're not being gender neutral. There, it's a man. The lead actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mark Waters and Mark Ryan Waters Kugler. and Coogler. So, 
thinking of men who are in both those movies is probably not Mikey Jordan. No. Uh, Creed 3 looks really good. Absolutely. Probably not Bozeman. It's probably the dude from the Hobbit movies whose name I'm forgetting. He's got to be. Oh, it's not because I saw your face. I don't know who, I don't know who that is. Uh, uh, what's his face? Martin Freeman. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He's in Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Waters movies. Let's see. Mean Girls doesn't have a notable man in it. House of Yes, Freddie Prince Jr. is not in Black Panther as much as he should be. Uh, he's all that. No, good movie. McConaughey's not. God. Oh, this is evil. Not Billy Bob Thornton. Mm-hmm. You're impressed that I can pull this much Mark <laughs> Waters out of my ass, aren't you? Yeah, no, and you're skipping a really key Mark Waters movie. I'll give I you am? a hint. Yeah. Mean I don't know girls, for you, but it is for me. Mean Girls, Ghost of Girlfriends, Past Vampire Academy. Um, he's all that. The House of Yes. <laughs> he didn't do Sahara, did he? That's another kind of hit. What's the, no. what's the miscellaneous? Miscellaneous. This was produced by Bobby Z, Robert Zemeckis. Oh, I have no idea. I, um, I, you have I no have, idea? I have no idea. That's House of Wax. <laughs> I love House of Wax. Wait, who's in House of Wax? Who's the guy? Chad Michael Murray was in Freaky Friday with Mark Waters, directed I by Mark Wahlberg. Always forget that Mark Waters directed yeah. Freaky Friday. It's You're easy totally... to. Wait, yeah. what else is what Ryan Coogler movie is Chad Michael Murray? He's in Fruitvale Station. He is? Oh my God, he's the cop who shoots. He's the cop who shoots. Oh my yeah. God, you're totally. That was a really good hint that I just blanked yeah. on. And I should have gotten it because I adore House of Wax. Me too. Me yeah. too. That I, I almost I tried to think of a Paris Hilton hint, but it was just too. That was out, out of my element there. I adore um, House of Wax. It, it's the best. Uh, Black um, Adam, not the worst movie ever made. <laughs> yeah, jo- that was Jomo I, Tourist can sleep sleep pretty. <laughs> that was the other hint because uh, he worked with Lee, Liam Neeson and, and, and The Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dwayne, yeah. Um, okay, so the final when you when you said that hint and you said two of today's best action stars, a hundred percent not shitting you. I was like, okay, it's definitely Scott Adkins and Michael J. White. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I wish um, I wish I could pull something like that. No, that's um, number six. All right. So year year. I just want to do these in sequence. So the final one's actually the, okay. That's the end of that part of the game. I have oh, a, the bottom five is kind of like a speed round. Okay. Speed um, round. So it's just taglines. If you get the tag, you might know these by heart. I wouldn't know oh, no, all that, these that, by heart. Yeah, no, please, let's go. Let's, um, let's, so, let's give it a shot. So the first tagline, just, just guess the movie. Yeah. Uh, he'll tear your soul apart. That's Hellraiser. Yeah. Yeah. That's there's like a warm up. Yeah. Um, Hellraiser. I forgot how much you fucking love Hellraiser. So that's... I'm I'm such a big Hellraiser guy. Pinhead's like the only impression I can do well. <laughs> Pinhead and I am getting pretty good at doing a Hathaway from Black Hat impression. But that's for another time. <laughs> I would I'd love to see that too. Yeah. Um All right. The, uh next tagline. The next one is if this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Ooh, I don't know what that is, but I like that. That is uh, Black Christmas, not the original. Yep. Uh, here's a hot take for you: Every Black Christmas movie rules. Sophia Tacalls included. Sophia Tacalls and Sophia Tacalls is incredible, and it the, is fantastic. The the one in 2006 from the Final Destination X Files guy whose name I can't remember. Oh yeah, no, uh, all James three Wong. of them. Yeah. James Wong, yeah, yeah, James Wong. All three of those movies are very different, and I think that's why they're all very good. What's your 
What's your favorite of the three? It's, uh, Probably the original. Bob Clark's, yeah. I really, I, I'm so in the tank for Sophia to call. Oh, I love um, her. We're talking about. I think that movie's incredible. Yeah, it is great. Um, it's very. That's great. a really good tagline, though. I didn't know it. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't have a lot to do with Black Christmas, but I thought it was just a great. No, it's it's great it's, tagline. It's good. Here's another great one. Uh, humans are such easy prey. I can give you a decade if you want to. Can you give me a decade? I know this one. This is 80s. Is this Predator? Nope. No. It's more. It's the the thing. It's the thing. It's the thing. It's not. It's not. It's not. What is it? You're in the vein. What is it? Uh, From Beyond. Yeah. 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 Uh, Another Mm -hmm. great movie. Another. Yeah. 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 Um, but you were on the right track. How little I know. I know taglines. I know. I have realized that. No, that's fine. That's fine. um, The last two should be easier, though. Um, So four is. Oh, yes, there will be blood. That is Saw 2. Yes, it is. And, and is... I know this. <laughs> <laughs> because that's because famously Saw, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson likes Saw 2. And I don't know if anyone's ever asked really? about that. There will be blood. It's I'd, right there. I thought that was to play on that movie. I didn't know PTA liked Saw 2. I, well, he has to if he's going to steal the title. <laughs> Saw 2 came out before There Will Be Blood That's true There Will Be Blood That's is true. based on a novel called Oil It's just oil exclamation point Yeah I'm sorry <laughs> if like the big Iconic line in a movie that came out While you're developing your movie is where You get your title from you probably like Saw 2 I'll follow that that's that's to, incredible To my knowledge no one's ever asked me about it <laughs> On a similar note I'm pretty Sure Todd Field uh, likes Paul W. S. Anderson speaking of Anderson's Where'd you get that intel? Have you seen Tar? Yeah, love Tar. Think about the last shot of Tar. We're not going to spoil the incredible last shot of Tar. Um, think about it. Put it together. I'll tell you off mic. Yeah, let's do. Yeah, that's that's uh, hilarious. Last, last one for the show. Uh, yes. a, a nice place for summer vacation. A perfect place to die. So location hint there. Is this one of the last house on the left? Is this the remake? No, uh, no, no, no. The original is just to keep repeating to yourself. It's only a movie. It's only a movie. It's only, it's only a movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. Is it April Fool's Day? No. Oh, what is it? You want to keep guessing? Uh, decade, You're on decade, the right decade, track there. Decade, decade, decade. Uh, 80s. 80s. Nice place for summer vacation. A great place to die. Uh, Friday the 13th? Part no, two? in that vein, though, you're on the right track. I don't think I, I don't think I can get it. Sleepaway camp. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> you're so movie. close. Uh, a movie I have a lot of affection for. Yeah, a I difficult movie, of course. Taglines are unfair. They really Taglines are, are unfair. I, guess I just don't think of taglines that often. I don't no, either. That's fun, though. That's fun. And all those. Yeah, I should have gotten all of them. Uh, well, Except you- for maybe humans are such easy prey. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Not a good tagline for from for, beyond. from beyond. I yeah. just think generally it's very it's, it's a, a solid good, one, but not for it's from a good beyond. tagline in general. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. live up to the quality of that movie at all. But, yeah. um, but yeah, man, let's yeah, that's it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and, and yeah. talking all this bullshit with me. No, this um, was really fun. I'll have you back uh, anytime. We went from Reichardt to to <laughs> French extremity. Like I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, and good shit. <laughs>